We are breaking down everything from San Diego Comic Con today, a full slate of breakdowns for future projects. Let's get it. Truth is, I am a Jedi. I'm the vengeance. And I am Iron Man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the direct podcast episode 103. I am Matt Rimke, attorney at law, joined by my co-host, box office correspondent, David Thompson. And usually I like to vamp a little bit here, ask everybody how they're doing, but no, we have a lot to get to today, including a special guest host for the direct podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, kind of funny's own, the man of the hour, Mr. Tim Geddes. Tim, how we doing? Woo! Making the three-peat, man. Right. Three is the magic number. That's what they say. I'm, I'm here for my third third appearance, and uh, I'm so, so happy that you invited me back for this episode in particular because there's so much to talk about. And I feel like we are now about, what, five days removed from having our minds blown from everything at San Diego Comic-Con. And I, despite having talking about it for 24-7 the last couple of days, I still have not run out of steam. I have so much more to say, and I am very excited to talk to you guys about all this. Yeah, Tim, thanks for being here. It's funny you say that about how it's been a few days because for me, I haven't run out of steam either, but I, my, pers- my perspective has already changed a little bit on a few different things. Like in the moment, you're thinking one thing, and now after reflecting a little bit, I'm like, hmm, interesting. So it's funny to totally. me that you know we didn't do an emergency podcast. This wasn't like immediately in uh, our audience's ears. We kind of wanted to sit on it a little bit, and my view has changed a little bit on a few things that will definitely relate to the uh, hype draft we have coming up, Matt. Interesting. Me as well, I will say. Yeah. It's going to be special. Um, it's going to be, I'm going to be keeping track of the volume of all of our excitement as the podcast goes along. You know what I mean? Because we have, <laughs> we've, we've settled at least from like excitement a little bit. I assume we're just going to get a little more excited every time we talk about a new project. And that's what I can't wait to do. So guys, wasting no time. We're going to dive into it. We're going to go right off the top with the 2022 projects. And I do want to hear some quick hits about the DC panel that never was um we got a new black adam trailer which was very exciting we got a new first trailer for shazam fury of the gods the shazam sequel tim i want to go to you first either of those projects do you have any strong feelings about those two trailers if i'm being completely honest i don't have strong feelings about either of them uh in a in too much of a positive way but to be positive shazam fury of the gods uh looks Way more interesting than I even expected it to. I really loved the use of the music. Never thought I'd get that deep of an Eminem cut turned Mm -hmm. into an epic trailer song. (laughs) Love business. Love the use of it. Love the the way that they edited this trailer. I enjoy Shazam uh, more than the majority of the DCEU projects. Having said that, it still isn't something that I ever want to like really go back and rewatch. It's not one of my favorites, um, but I like that they're having fun with it. And I think that this trailer is doubling down on, I I'm fairly confident that this is going to be better than the first one. And I like the first one a lot. So if this trailer is any indication, we're going to have a fun time. And honestly, at this point, I would rather that than um, something bad from D right. or really nothing at all. Like, like Shazam, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Fun. fun's a good bar. Definitely fun. Um, I liked the first one. Uh, and re- about this trailer, I thought it looked good. I think it actually literally like looked good. I thought the CGI looked great. I thought the opening shot of him flying looked actually really, really cool. Maybe excited for a Superman project we're never going to ever get. Um, but in general, I think it's interesting that 
I didn't know this, by the way, until like I was talking to a bunch of people during Comic-Con, people at the direct.com. Thank you guys. Shout out where Helen Mirren's character, the villains are made up. They're not even comic book villains, apparently. And I'm like, what? You have a you have this huge, vast DC catalog and we're, we're making original characters up. I just a testament, I think, to DC kind of being all over the place. And the fact that we're getting a Shazam 2 right now before like so many other projects is crazy, but it's a safe bet. Like we talked, like we just said, it's fun. It's light. It's almost a little MCU-esque in many ways. Um, Hyperlil is pretty middling, but it, I thought it looked decent. Sure. There's no one saying this isn't a Fast and Furious spinoff. That's something I think we need to really think about with Helen Mirren's character. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't have much to say on either of these trailers. I just find it so fascinating to me that fans obviously so much care about the panels and these announcements and San Diego Comic-Con specifically. And it's so clear that Warner Brothers doesn't know that. You know what I mean? There was a meeting. Somebody had a meeting where they decided what they were going to bring. And not a single person in that room was like, hey, should we bring a little more? Do you think this is going to be enough for people? Do you think this is going to compete with our competitors? Not a single person spoke up and said that. It's just, it's wild to me how underwhelming it was. Not that I disliked anything we got. It's the underwhelming factor that just kind of blows my mind when they know that they're in this fandom race, that they're desperately losing. Yeah, and I can't believe Aquaman specifically didn't get anything because I understand everything going on, but with, you know, Amber Heard and all, but still, like, they're, like, going to maybe cut her from the movie, but that, to me, is not an excuse to not show any of that film when it comes out early next year, I believe, and was a billion-dollar origin story. Like, this is a clearly a movie people care about, um, and wow, did just in general, the panel, like, Black Adam, sure, The Rock, he's Mr. Hype himself Man. coming out with the lightning bolts. Like, that's all very cool, but... Oh my gosh, like Kevin Feige ended up just dunking all over DC at this, at these Hall H panels. And it wasn't even close. Like immediately, it wasn't even close. So cool footage in general, but uh, I, I just, I can't get that hype about these products because I don't, I don't have any feelings towards these characters, I guess is the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I know that we talked about all this stuff to death at this point, and it, it, it feels bad to like be so negative about DC, but I think their panel, uh, was lacking in, in so many ways, the ways that you mentioned, but even The Rock coming out with his like crazy epic entrance and all that stuff, even that kind of, I felt was kind of a miss where mm. it's The Rock. This is one of the, the men that has entered to more hundreds of thousands of people uh, than anyone else and has had some of the craziest entrances of all time. And in this, he just kind of stood in front of a video wall and had some smoke around him and said a variation of the hierarchy in the DC universe is about to change for the <laughs> upteenth time. And it's like, I still don't believe you rock. Like, I just don't believe it. And to David's point about, it's hard to be invested in these characters. Like they're so down the rabbit hole of DC characters at this point, not using the Superman's, but instead getting down to the black Adams, which is, you know, tied to Shazam in a lot of ways, the scheduling getting messed up with, you know, the flash and its situation, uh, Aquaman being pushed, like, the comparisons between Aquaman and Black Panther 2 with the underwater just concepts, right? Like there were so many direct comparisons going on between Marvel and DC that have been going on for years, but DC is in a really bad place and Marvel is in such a good place. But it's sad because I, I've been to many, many comic cons and covered them uh, back in my days at IGN specifically. And I will never forget the moment 
at Hall H. We were, I wasn't in the room, but we were covering it and we were uh, at IGN doing our live show. We were doing an interview uh, for a totally different show and live on our earpieces, we got the news. Batman v Superman was just announced. Oh, oh my God. They showed a God. teaser. Oh my God. And the world stopped. That was a moment in, in I just got chills right now. Like yeah, man. It, it was comic book movie history that yeah, when yeah. that movie was announced, right? Yeah. And to go from that energy to where we are now, where mm. The Rock, one of the most entertaining human beings in the world, mm-hmm. is promoting a project. And like, I don't even know if I finished the trailer, honestly, for Black Adam. Like, I watched the Shazam one because I like the music. I, the Black Adam one, I'm like, I'm going to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 We're going to have to. Um, it's it's yeah. it's an unfortunate thing. Hopefully they can turn it around. Um, you know, they, they either got to punt or just, you know, change things drastically. They're scared to shoot right now. Okay, guys, we got that out of the way. Deep breath. Mm-hmm. So Black Panther released the trailer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and it changed the world a little bit, guys. This is a uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, the first um, trailer, first teaser trailer for this movie. Two lines spoken, uh, two songs played, and uh, it it really did kind of steal the show, which is wild to think about with everything we got next. Tim, your overall thoughts on the Black Panther: Wakanda Forever trailer? It was just all right. No, hell no. That was one of the greatest trailers, greatest uses of moments of stage presence I have ever seen. The the fact that that is our next movie in the MCU. That is, it's imminent, right? It is coming. It is beloved. We, we are looking forward to it. Of course, there's so many issues, so many fears that we have had about the production in this movie, about situations of the actors and actresses in this film. Uh, what's Ryan Coogler going to do? Can he pull this off? I think that they quelled all of those fears in this. And what a beautiful, beautiful end piece to the Marvel uh, panel. After all these megaton announcements that I can't believe we got all in one place, but to end with hey here's the next project it's black panther and this is what it is they knocked it out of the park i don't again this was a moment this is one of those trailers that we are going to look back on years from now and we'll remember where we were when we saw it for the first time and the 15th time because we watched it 15 times in a row it is so special i can't believe what they accomplished with a trailer alone and i think this movie is going to be something extremely special yeah i agree and um the trailer was special. I think there's a few things that stuck out to me. It looked fantastic. It looked beautiful. The underwater scenes looked very Avatar-esque and not Aquaman-esque, which to me was a very, very big two thumbs up because I didn't like the underwater stuff for the most part in Aquaman. It made me nervous about Namor joining the MCU. On Namor, I think that I was, I went, I did a complete 180. Um, when this trailer came out, because my biggest thing with this movie, not even that um, T'Challa is not going to be in it, obviously, and that's the direction they're going, not a recast or anything like that. Um, but the whatever's happening underwater with Namor, I'm like, uh oh, I don't know how, how I really like this, you know, because this opens up a whole other world, literally, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about the different branches and levels of the MCU, like the, the ocean is a whole other one that we haven't even explored yet. And I thought it just looked amazing. Obviously, the uh, the music, the music just gives me chills. Like the transition from "No Woman, No Cry" to "All Right" by Kendrick Lamar is one of the most well done things in a trailer I've ever seen. And to me, this is the best Phase Four trailer besides, in my biased opinion, the teaser for "No Way Home" because that just 
That that was just there was too much Come build on. up for that. That was a, <laughs> that was a yeah. movie within itself. Exactly, um, Matt. What did you think? I I echo everything you guys said. A moment special. All these different things, just like the movies, with the trailers as well. Being great is the new status quo. Like there are so yes. there's so much great in the comic book movie space on the trailer and movie side of it that being great is the minimum. You also need to be special in order to hit that upper tier to really hit that moment status that we're talking about here. And this, this trailer did it for so many ways. It's the best use of music in a trailer I maybe have ever seen. And Tim, I know that's something that you very much appreciate is music and trailers. And this is my number one, as far as bringing it together. I didn't see it coming. It blew me out of the water. Kendrick's relationship to this franchise for some reason hit Mm -hmm. on a completely different level for me it's my wife's favorite rapper of all time and when I showed her the trailer I just waited for I just waited for that transition to come so I knew she was going to sit up and be like no way and she'd lost her mind um it's this is it's a tragic thing to say but I think it needs to be said it's a local news mentality of when tragedy strikes there's an opportunity for a story to be told. And the passing of Chadwick Boseman obviously is just a huge loss for everybody in this community that we all work within. But if Ryan Coogler is able to pay tribute to that loss and use that to tell an amazing story, then this movie has the opportunity to be on a next level, like, like top tier MCU. It like all of our top tens are shaking right now because Connor Forever has a chance to build on one of the most important comic book movies of all time in a very unique way. Feel that the the position that we're in right now is is very unfortunate, obviously, but it's very unique in the sense that movies are different than they've ever been before. This is the longest running franchise uh, ever at this point, right? I guess James Bond would be the only other thing close. And that for many reasons is clearly a totally different uh, type of comparison, right? But this is an ongoing story. And especially if you start looking at it multiverse wise, if you're counting the Spider-Man and the (laughs) X-Men and all that stuff, like it gets really nuts there, right? Um, But there are very few movies and franchises that have lasted for for decades with the same creators behind it the same producers the same groups of directors actors all of this together and it's becoming more and more commonplace like that this is the last time this will ever be a unique thing because from here on out ip and franchise are the name of the game uh but this reminds me a lot of um and i'm not joking here at all the fast and the furious where it it was a to this day is a long running franchise that is beloved by so many that is um you know take it or leave it depending on quality uh for how you feel about those films but the reality is the people making it care and the people making it have worked together for so long at this point that they they are god i have to say it family uh and when paul walker died (laughs) yeah exactly but when paul walker died it was one of the saddest most important moments of of my lifetime in terms of actors that i enjoy and um franchises that i love and the the tribute they they had for him at the end of furious seven makes furious seven one of the most poignant movies i've ever seen and that's hilarious you know but like they did it they pulled it off because the final scene of them on the beach, those actors are, are, are feeling feelings for a character, but for a person. And we mm-hmm. can feel that we saw that in this trailer for Wakanda forever. We saw it on uh, Letitia Wright's face, right? We see it in, in every performance of all the characters, but the transition as it goes through to the Kendrick, the wiggle will be all right over and over. We're going to be all right. 
right? I think that is such a powerful message going back to Kendrick being so important to Black Panther 1. Yeah. It, it was just beautiful. It was powerful. And I think Ryan Coogler just nailed it, man. Yes. Do you? I have a quick question for you guys. <laughs> and I totally agree with everything you just said, Tim. Did you guys want T'Challa to be recast? Yes or no? No. I'm on no. Tim's, Tim's mixed. No, I'm not mixed. I, okay. It's, I... <laughs> Uh, kind of funny uh we do a lot of video game talk as well yesterday it was uh leaked that a black panther game is being made and they're the story so far that we know is that the black panther has died you are now the next black panther and there's been a lot of talk of who is that everyone assumes oh t'challa's dead you're the next black panther i was like Mm -hmm. i don't think so i think it's t'chaka that died i think Mm -hmm. you are t'challa and i think going forward and there was this conversation that started and i was saying that the these characters and these storylines are so important to so many people that I don't think it's uh oh T'Challa needs to be gone forever in every medium. I do think that in the video games and stuff, T'Challa's character and storylines of everything he's been through with with Storm, with the Secret Wars storyline, with everything, like he's had so many moments that are are his and are important to people that have grown up reading those. And I don't think we should take those away. Having mm-hmm. said that, I think the MCU is its own beast, and I think that um, I. I can't answer the yes or no. What do I think? I I think that I support whatever Ryan Coogler and that team decide. They decided to recast him. I believe in that as the right choice. Mm. They are the ones making the story. They are the ones that made Black Panther. They are the ones that made T'Challa a household name, right? right. So I have full faith in them. I think recasting is absolutely the right choice because of that. Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of people did were kind of it took a while, obviously, after the passing of Chadwick Boseman, but I think there was majority or not a majority, but some of the fan base that actually kind of wanted the character to be recast and just keep going with the story, like not not audible at all, not, you know, change up the story, which they seemingly did a little bit, obviously. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm curious. I'm I'm kind of with Tim where I never wanted to be recast in the begin, like to begin with. But at the same time, I guess I'd have my faith in Marvel and Ryan Coogler of like what the story is. Um, but in general, I am, I feel like this project in a lot of ways has been going under the radar because we get so much MCU and now it's at the forefront of all my MCU thoughts, but even with all the other announcements, cause it's so cl- it feels so close now. I think it could be such a massive, massive hit. Like the first one was. And Tim, you mentioned it earlier. Like we got, we got phase six announcements and we are thinking about a movie in November more than anything else. Like that's the MCU formula, guys. The MCU formula is only yeah. large chunks of the year when it comes to topic of conversation. They're playing a different sport. It's, it's Jordan versus Little League. Dude, no, it's, it's, it's fantastic, man. And, and again, I want to talk about video games for a second. Something I've always appreciated about, uh, I, I've been covering, covering video games for over a decade now. And the E3, yeah. they have their big announcements, which I love that we're finally getting, like Comic-Con's always been a thing, right? But there's the panels, sometimes there's announcements. In the last couple of years, I feel like they've become more like, video games announce things and, and more like E3 where it's like there is this slate that they talk about mm-hmm. stuff, especially with live streaming elements, which unfortunately this time we didn't get, but with D23, with what Feige normally does, like we get to see this and share the hype. But I think the biggest dogs out there, like the, the PlayStations of the world, the Nintendos of the world, when they're doing their best, it is when they're telling you what's happening now, then, and later where you're like, oh my God, okay, I'm about to get this game this fall but then i'm also looking forward to the next metal gear or the next ever these giant big unicorn projects and i think that them telling us hey 
you're, you already know so many things you're about to get. You're about to get Wakanda forever. It's this awesome, but also down the line, you're getting these things to look forward to. And I think that it's important to get a little bit of all of it where people complain about like, I don't like, it's just a logo. Like there's nothing there. It's like, yeah, but there's just a logo, but then you're also getting the more imminent things, getting more information. And I, I just think that, that, I mean, obviously they're firing all cylinders and it's amazing to see. Yeah. And, and yeah. you make the video game comparison, Tim. I, as a sports fan, you know, I, I work in sports. It's my life. This is as close to sports that movies get. This is the NFL draft. This is your team getting all these new toys to play with. And there's truly nothing more exciting than getting together with a group of fans, looking at a slate of logos and just being like, wow, you know, like, yeah. like how, oh, how many yeah. times have you guys just looked at the slate? over the past oh, few days like it's yeah. it's the background of my phone it's insane how fun it Guys, is look at a slate of logos i've had trouble sleeping the last couple yeah. nights and like i'm not exaggerating <laughs> and like i know that it's really embarrassing to say but like real talk i'm like just thinking about mutants and i'm just thinking about those placeholder just dates and i'm like but why do they say fall why are they specific dates are those just the shows or it's like oh my god right. what a time to be a fan an amazing yeah. thing. Um, and we got to move on, unfortunately. Wakanda Forever, we'll be talking about that extensively over the next few months, and I'm very excited about it. She-Hulk also released a new trailer. Um, it's it's the second trailer for the show, so not as many big reveals. Obviously, one very big reveal, but this was definitely more plot, more vibe. This is what the show is going to be about. David, I want to go to you first. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to call it a vibes check, but also a CGI check with She-Hulk coming in uh, less than, less than three weeks. I would say vibe CGI check. It's improving um, with She-Hulk. I, I'll kind of separate the two. The vibe check is much higher than the CGI check right now. CGI check, I'll, I'll check back in on day one when that episode drops. Because honestly, I feel like they're still working on this. Um, hearing stories and stories about the VFX teams at Marvel and how difficult it's become um, increasingly with all these shows, movies, and everything happening. And the fact that this show is so dependent on CGI, uh, I think it actually, I'm, I haven't been the biggest hater on it. Um, I actually prefer how this looks compared to even the CGI with uh, Kamala Khan's powers that we talked about, Matt. I wasn't a big fan of how that looked. But in general, vibe check, man, I'm here. I think this show looks great. I love the idea of attorney outlaw. I think Bruce Banner looks funny. This has Smart Hulk, Mark Ruffalo. Um, I like the idea of her kind of being thrusted into this job too. That's that's different that we got in this trailer that she's not almost like, it's not what she does and what she's been doing. It's like, oh, you now have Hulk blood in you or whatever. You're going to be in charge of this. You know, you're going to defend um, other superhumans, which I think is going to be a lot of fun and a big time tool for introducing smaller lower level mcu characters which would be a lot of fun and probably have a lot of fun surprises in this show as well that's the comic book vibe that we're going to get from she hawk is just anybody could show up at any moment and just be like yeah. just a quick panel of hey how you doing um uh tim i i don't think i've heard much about where you're at with she hawk we got more of the plot here before we get into that uh, little stinger at the end of the trailer you know, Emil Blonsky seems to be a big part of the plot. Wong's obviously coming in, dropping some big universe-style shit. Um, are we excited about the plot for She-Hulk, or are we more excited about the character of She-Hulk? Oh, man. I, I, first off, I'm just so excited that David seems so high on it, too, because I feel like a lot of people are kind of down on the show. And I, 
I personally don't get it. I am stoked out of my mind for this. I think this is where Disney Plus can really shine. And uh, even you, Matt, saying that like, oh, this trailer, uh, besides the one thing, didn't really have like the as big moments as the first. I disagree. Where like getting Wong, seeing Frogman in action, getting a little bit more of the plot, the breaking the fourth wall bit, and then of course yeah. Daredevil at the end. I am like, oh wow, they're nailing the tone for this for me. Um, I got and we're getting way more Mark Ruffalo than I expected. I'm sure that's still gonna kind of book end the show or like just be like little bits here and there i don't think he's going to be in every episode or anything but i feel like when they first announced the disney plus shows all of us were like oh wow the potential for them to just have cameos galore and not cameos in the they came here to save the day and leave type thing but cameos in the oh the mcu world lives and exists so if you're in this area you might run into those characters she hulk seems to be the first show to really uh be living up to that dream that i had at least uh even with the, the smaller characters but you know the long cu continues and i love to see it uh but i do think that that having him in this having blonsky having all that i'm like yo this looks great the cgi stuff look i get it sure there's no way she's gonna look good it's a cartoon i look at it as a cartoon a lot of these movies they're live action cartoons i don't get too caught up in that every once in a while there'll be shots like Mark Ruffalo's head in Infinity War that I look yeah. at and kind of laugh at for a second. But I don't let the CGI stuff take me down. To me, it's more about the choreography and more about the story they're trying to tell. So, sure, the car chase in Hawkeye looked a little goofy, but the choreography was great. So I was here for it. See, she hoped to me, I don't expect her. I don't expect this tall green woman to look incredible. I expect her to look like a tall green She-Hulk yeah. on, yeah. on television. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I watched Wolverine Origins the other day, so this CGI looked about as good as it could possibly get. Um, man, that scene gets worse every single time, guys. The mirror scene, <laughs> it gets worse every single time. Um, I, I, The only thing I'll say, I got two things real quick. Wong says, our universe is on the edge of a precipice. Mm-hmm. It's We're dropping little C's in She-Hulk now. It's crazy. Yep. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah. And also, there was less horny She-Hulk in this one. I hope they don't shy away from that. That was my favorite part of the first trailer was that you know she's ready to get it you know what i'm saying and i'm excited <laughs> oh, we got her on the couch dude we, we did get her on the there was the one moment prowling dude it's awesome mm-hmm. uh daredevil guys <laughs> he's gonna be a shiok he's gonna be in a yellow oh. i i want to i just want to start with one uh little take before we get into you guys this is marvel studios getting as much of charlie cox as they could possibly get to make up for lost time this is them saying he should have been here the whole time, I think. It's it's insane how much he's popping up in different places. Tim, the suit. Whoa. Dude, oh, the suit, incredible. I'm always a big fan of when they, they go the more comic accurate route. Uh, this being our first time seeing Daredevil in the MCU, <laughs> right? We got we got uh, Matt Murdock before, but lawyer. I mean, keeping that in mind, Matt Murdock, lawyer, She-Hulk, lawyer. I think this is really cool that we're kind of messing with the superhero side and the lawyer side, like what that could look like. Um, Sorry to take it outside of Daredevil for a sec, but just the idea of building up the Department of Damage Control Mm -hmm. and just that 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 building. And um, we've seen now the uh, Abomination's little security cage in Mm -hmm. um, Shang-Chi as well, like. For all the people that are like, oh, phase four is connecting. It's just like, you've got to give things time to build for them to connect. Love and it. already they're starting to connect. The Department of Damage Control being um, from Spider-Man No Way Home, getting that guy back in Miss Marvel. And I didn't love all of the choices they made in Miss Marvel with the damage control. But um, I did love the idea that we are now building out this 
area that is probably going to be the base of the Thunderbolts in an upcoming movie. Hell I love yeah, that stuff. Dude. And I, nice. I feel like Hell She-Hulk yeah. is, is great at kind of like setting, setting foundations for small things that are going to become big in the future, including Daredevil. <laughs> uh and and it's just it's so well melded together david i want to go to you with a point real quick spider-man i think the best spider-man stories are told when the villain has a relationship with peter parker just as much as he does with spider-man and that's very hard to pull off because it gets very derivative and very kitschy very quickly spider-man seems to just naturally have that in his storylines the best parts of the toby movies the best parts of the tom holland movies is when there's a relationship between both the villain and peter parker um do you think we get matt murdoch in this show as much as we get daredevil you know i mean do you think that there is lawyer confrontation and superhero confrontation here would be my prediction off of that. I think this show, look, by the way, quick anecdote. When I watched this trailer, it was during obviously Comic-Con. I'm in a Discord with other direct people and I watch it. I come back. I'm like, oh, hey, that was really cool. And, and they're like, oh my God, Daredevil. And I'm like, Daredevil, what are you talking about? I closed <laughs> it. it before the stinger at the end. <laughs> and I go back, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, how did I not learn? I guess I was a little Rookie antsy. move. Comic-Con. <laughs> Rookie move. Rookie the move. floodgates were opening. Feige <laughs> was just like force feeding all of us. Anyway, sorry. I know. Rookie move. Um, but on that, well, my prediction is because it was that little stinger, I think we get like an action scene, maybe one or two action scenes of Daredevil. And then I think maybe at the very, very end of the show, we see Matt Murdock. And there's some sort of like connective. He walks in the courtroom, right? You just hear him. You hear his like walking stick in the courtroom or something like that. You turn around. There he is. And she's like, ah, shit. Or something like that. Right? Like, Let's oh. go. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I do think it is interesting how they're playing with canon with the integration of Netflix. Obviously, we've already gotten Wilson Fisk. Um, we've gotten Matt Murdock and now Daredevil. And I'm curious how they're going to talk about the connective tissues bringing in these other universes and seeing how they explain or don't explain their, their past. You know, right. I, I view it as a soft reboot where I'm very happy. I love the Netflix daredevil show, but I think people that didn't really watch all of that can probably still enjoy this. I think that's how they're going to tell this, especially we're going to talk about later, the daredevil show coming up um, and how big that's going to be. I feel like this, is kind of setting him up for, hey, if you loved him before, it's the same actor. He's great, but he's got a whole bright new interconnected future here in the MCU. Yeah, it's a really awesome thing that they're able to do now with uh, just everything coming together. Um, and guys, that is the end of phase four. I personally just got to watch uh, I Am Groot and it was very fun and exciting and cute. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's a cute <laughs> cartoon. My niece is going to love I Am Groot, but we have that. We have She-Hawk, we have Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Uh, Tim, the end of phase four coming much sooner than any of us expected. So looking back, looking forward, phase four as the rebuilding phase of the MCU, how do you think we did? Yo, oh man, what a great question, right? We could yeah. probably do a whole podcast just about that. Like, down, I, I, I think that ending with uh, Wakanda Forever is powerful for every reason we just talked about uh, earlier about the, the trailer itself and what that movie all means. I do think it's important to look back at the previous phases and realize that I mean we've only had three. Um, and one of the phases, I mean, arguably two of the phases didn't really end with like a bang. Right. right. We got phase two kind of just ended. <laughs> right. And it didn't like what was what did phase two end with? I don't even know. Ant-Man. 
Yeah, Ant Man. We were like, all sitting okay, there excited what? for Civil War. <laughs> and and, yeah. and that's the thing is, I, I love I love Ant Man, but it's like, what about that was a phase ender, right? And then you look at uh, even Phase Three with Far From Home. I love Far From Home, and it's a great epilogue to yeah. um to Endgame. But why wasn't that just the start of Phase Four? Like, you know what I mean? It's just like there's a lot of a lot of stuff that. At the end of the day, these phases are just marketing, and that like, that's okay, right? <laughs> the sagas are what matter. The sagas are the things that they're they're trying yeah. to build to. Yeah. So I'm excited about the the choices they made with marketing because I'm very happy with Phase Four. I had a great time. I feel like throughout the ride, I wasn't the one questioning. I don't see the connections because I did. I knew they were building the Secret War. I'm excited about that. I was like, cool, this is great. I was the guy like, oh man. These all clearly were made at the same time, written at the same time, produced during the COVID era. So many problems, so many changes, all this stuff that when we have Loki's multiverse story, No Way Home's multiverse story, WandaVision's uh, teases at multiverse stuff and the Ralph Boner stuff and all of that, like I'm looking at all this, I'm like, these don't add up. You know, we're kind of waiting for that moment where it's like, oh, they cross the he, he the who remains threshold and then all of a sudden, that relates here to no way home and here to this and here to this that didn't happen. And I don't think it's going to happen, but now we're in a position that they can retcon it and make it happen in a way that, that makes sense because this is the multiverse saga. So I'm like, all right. Oh, and multiverse of madness. I haven't even named, but of course that being a part of it. Right. (laughs) But I feel like that is the, the first real build towards um, all of that stuff making sense. But in terms of a rebuild phase, I thought they did an excellent job. What I'm excited for, I think, the reason I know that phase four was a success to me is there are at least a dozen new characters that I can't wait to see interact with other characters. Right. So cool. Put that shit I in would all say, caps, Tim. Yeah. Put that shit in all caps. <laughs> Louder for the people in the back. Phase four is the introduction of the new generation of MCU characters, and they have consistently at least one per project. Tim, I couldn't have said it better myself. We all need to be praising that more than we currently are. David. Who's your favorite new character in phase four? Oh my gosh. What a question. Uh, it's definitely between two. Uh, it's either Shang-Chi or it's either, or Kamala Khan. Those are my two top picks. Uh, um, I would probably say Shang-Chi uh, would probably edge her out by like a little bit. Um, I think just because I'm a little more excited about his future, uh, especially with uh, the new directing news coming <laughs> Um, but in general, yeah, I would say uh, Shang-Chi is my favorite. One thing they have on phase four in general is I actually have been one of those guys a little more critical of like the connectivity to it because Tim's right, I think, where it could have connected more, right? I think it definitely could, especially the multiverse stuff. I think even just with stuff happening on the news, like there was a whole damn Captain America announced on television and we only saw it in one movie. There's a celestial sticking out of the earth and we've only seen it in one movie or one show. Sorry for the Captain America thing um, where there's little things like that. And it seems like a comic book, right? Where it happens in one happens the other. You don't you're not necessarily hearing about it and seeing it in other spots, but I feel like because there's been so much of it, there weren't those plans in place. And that's okay because I feel like, in many ways, phase four was laying the groundwork for the second two thirds of what do we call it? the multiverse saga, right? Like it laid the groundwork. I mean, man, do I want to go back and watch Loki now after the phase Absolutely. six announcement? Yeah. Like, holy shit. I mean, that that show is my favorite Disney Plus show so far. And 
it just it just increased in my head even more after that after the announcements because wow like that that show i think set up the most out of this entire phase so far i'll have this entire saga so far it really did the most like groundwork when it comes to the multiverse kang everything with that and i'm so excited to see that story continue and it makes so much sense that's like the one show we know for a fact we're getting a season two of because we need to see more we need mm-hmm. to see how that interacts quantum mania interacts with so on and so forth so i think phase four was a success but i think general audiences might be more satisfied with phases five and six once they get around because we're gonna I think see more things collide 100 and guys we're tiptoeing we need to strut so let's talk about phase five ladies and gentlemen the return of the hype draft Ladies and gentlemen, the return of the direct podcast hype draft, the phase five edition. This is where the three of us, me, David Thompson, and kind of funny zone, Tim Geddes, will be picking which phase five projects we are most excited about. The cool thing about this is we are staking our flags in this project. We are, we are claiming which ones we think will be the best and which ones we should be most excited about. Of course, we are all excited about every single one of these projects. But we're going to draft Seek. We put together the best team of hype for phase five, three teams, four rounds, starting, of course, with our guest, Tim Geddes. Tim, phase five hype draft pick 101. What I love about this is there's so many I can go with that I think are the number one choice right. because the phase five is just that stacked with heavy hitters. We talked a lot earlier in the show about Wakanda Forever coming out being such a strong trailer. We're so excited, so imminent. I'm going to go the next one. Ant-Man, Quantumania. Now, here is the situation with this, right? I know Ant-Man, typically, traditionally, not the biggest (laughs) franchise of the MCU. (laughs) uh, But the thing is, I believe in Peyton Reed. I believe in the characters that they've built. I love the family dynamic. I love the the score of those movies. I love the tone and the vibe. Admittedly, Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp, kind of a little sillier and i feel like didn't they they felt understated like earlier we we're talking about phase four compared to the other phases and it kind of felt like the phase four where it's just like okay cool i enjoyed that yeah. but so what i think that ant-man quantumania especially with what we saw at, at comic-con i saw the leaked trailer i was like addicted to all of it every yeah. little bit them having the vo of jonathan majors as kang and every single thing he says it reminds me of Thanos and Infinity War in that first trailer. And I can't believe that's the tone that we are getting from Ant-Man Quantumania. Also, we're getting Jonathan Majors. We're getting Kang. This is it. This is the beginning. Like we, we saw he who remains in Loki and that was kind of the real beginning. That was the prelude. This is the start of what we are building to. This is the, the real Thanos moment of, um, honestly, I feel like this is going to be, they're going to skip right past the, I think Loki season one's use of Kang was the Guardians of the Galaxy's use of Thanos. I think that Ant-Man Quantumania is going to jump straight to Infinity War. I think that this is going to set him up as a threat. And on top of that, I think that Ant-Man Quantumania is going to be to Ant-Man what Thor Ragnarok was to Thor. Completely change the tone, take everything you like about it, cut the things you don't like about it, and move forward. I think it's going to be absolutely incredible. That's incredibly high price. Like that, that is, you just got me so much more excited for this movie than I, I never yeah. thought about it as kind of that rebuild 
for this franchise because it's just unfortunate. You talked about earlier, the first Ant-Man was right after Age of Ultron, right before Civil War. We were looking past it at the time. Same thing with uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. You know, we were looking past it toward Captain Marvel and Infinity War. So this one starting a phase uh, is a pretty exciting thing if you look at it from a Ragnarok perspective. Um, I think for me personally, the best thing about this project one of the more weaker IPs, I would say, out of the Marvel heroes is Ant-Man. How do you bolster that up? How do you add some value to that? Put the big bad in the movie. You know what I mean? Like, like give them yeah. the best player on the team to, you know, hopefully we get a few more viewers there. I really, I really like that. Pick. I respect that pick a lot. You feel, I feel your passion for it, mm-hmm. David. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. Yeah, no, Tim seriously did a great job of hyping it up in my own perspective, because in my opinion, how I've seen Kang being the big bad in this movie is kind of a business decision, at least from how I view it, where, hey, we had Ant-Man come out after Avengers 2, and then we had Ant-Man 2 come out come out after Avengers 3, and it's like, they didn't do so great, and they were kind of like, out of, after Avengers movies, you know, it's like, it's almost like a side quest, a side story in, in a lot of ways, and this is not, right? This is setting up in a major way the big bad of the entire saga, so we think. And in general, I am not a huge fan of the these movies. Like, I, I like them. I like them. That's kind of like where I lay with them. They don't rank super high on my list at all. I think Ant-Man and the Wasp specifically was a very, like, it got us very end, right? The post credit scene in the van, the the machine that led to <gasps> time travel, right? And so it all, it all kind of works in the MCU. Um, but Tim really made this even elevate higher in my eyes and the fact that it kicks off this phase right yeah that to me is what's really exciting because we i agree with tim wholeheartedly where the phases are so kind of they're for marketing they're just there right they're for us, for us to talk about <laughs> yeah they're for us and discuss and make it cool and make it this huge grandiose thing but starting with it i i feel like is so important they end it with Black Panther, and now we begin with Kang, right? We are back. We get Kang, then we get Loki months later with probably maybe Kang again. So I feel like it's building, and it's going to... Once Ant-Man hits, I think we're all going to be like, oh my gosh, we see the vision. Like, we mm-hmm. know, we're know we going to know so much more after Quantumania of where this thing's going. Tim, do you think the interview crew is going to rewatch Loki ahead of Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania? I think... We're, I was thinking about that a lot. I think we might just watch the last episode mm-hmm. before it just to, <laughs> yeah. to, to build yeah. that hype. Absolutely. But we will be rewatching Ant Man 1 and 2 leading into Quantumania. Mm. Absolutely. As you should. As you should. Ba, ba, yes. Ba, na, yes. Na, na, na. It's good stuff. I love um, it. It's a jam. Yeah. No, it's a bop for sure. Um, uh, all right. That's pick 101. I love it. David, the second pick of the hype draft for phase five. Yeah, Tim got his number one. I got my number one, Captain America, New World Order. And I think Matt's going to get his number one. So (laughs) Sam Wilson, uh, as Captain America, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the most underrated MCU project so far. So many people are just like, yeah, that happened, right? It's not, it's not, it wasn't this crazy, grandiose thing. It didn't really introduce any too many people that were new, even though I think U.S. Agent was a great addition to the MCU. He was a great villain. 100%. And I know the flag smashers weren't very good. I didn't like them. I didn't really care for Sharon Carter much in the show. Yes. But the meat of it, the heart of the show, the character development between Bucky and specifically Sam, right? Mm-hmm. Just dealing with the real world scenario of 
should he be Captain America, right? And they're going to give it to this one guy who is a veteran. And then him just dealing with that own his own conflict, I love the concept of that show setting this movie up to be Sam Wilson's Captain America and dealing with some hard-hitting, I don't know, real-world examples and what it means because it's very openly discussed in the show of like what it means to be a black Captain America. You know, and I think this show is going or this movie is going to hit that head on once again and be a very impactful film that, you know, I talk about these really big topics and themes. Amazing action. This movie is going to have amazing action. The, yeah. Those wings plus the shield. Like, let's go. I love the finale. And that is a hot take. People didn't like the finale of that show. I had so much fun with it. I don't care what U.S. agent was up to. It was fun. And I love seeing him in that suit swinging around New York, which I thought was odd. I was like, where's Spider-Man? But anyway, um, this is my number one choice. This is this is definitely my phase five movie that I am most excited about in that prime May slot of 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I, the dates are all over the place, but I am very excited. Absolutely. I, I have them all written down right in front of me. And so I can reference them for articles and podcasts. <laughs> um, Tim, Captain America, New World, New World Order, one of the cooler titles for sure. Oh, one of the cooler titles. Absolutely. David, I love how I feel like I'm right there with you with a lot of your, your takes on things where I agree the Falcon Winter Soldier is one of the more underrated of the, the phase four projects so far. Um, yeah. I think that I am a little more negative on it than you are, though, where I think that what it did good, it did fantastic. But I think that the Flag Smasher stuff and the some elements of how U.S. Agent ended up and things like that, mm -hmm. I didn't love. And the Shannon Carter stuff was a disaster, just such so a letdown. Bad. But like, yeah. forget the bad stuff. There's so much good stuff there. And like, I hate that it gets overshadowed uh, because it should like, the, there's not enough bad to pull down the amazing things there. Then being able to deal with that in a movie is really exciting to me. I don't think it's one of my most anticipated projects, mm. but there's one thing that changes that for me and that is how close it is to the end of phase five which is thunderbolts the idea yeah. that this is may and then thunderbolts is july mm -hmm. we've been burned before looking at how movies line up but are like oh this is going to lead right into this mc has proven in the last couple phases that that's just simply not how it works with the exception <laughs> of like post-credit scenes here and there right like even think about Captain Marvel, Ant-Man and the Wasp during the whole Infinity War, Endgame, like that whole uh, mm -hmm. moment in time. Really, those movies happened, and then the post-credits like tied them together. Otherwise, they didn't really tie together. But I think that, and clearly all of Phase 4 with all of COVID, best laid plans, right? I don't think that they wanted it to go this way. I do imagine that if they had their say, things would have connected a lot more. Yeah. Looking at this lineup, I think we're about to see that a lot more. It's a complicated thing because there's the Disney Plus shows, there's the movies. Marvel Studios is clearly like, we expect you to watch it all. We expect you to consume it all and everyone to be up on it. And if you're not, too bad. You're still going to enjoy it anyways. But they yeah. still haven't proved that like beautiful, like this leads into this, leads into this in terms of our timeline of how we watch these things. Right. Like WandaVision should have ended and then the next month we saw Doctor Multiverse Strange. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Miss Marvel should have ended. And then the next month we saw the Marvels. And mm -hmm. I don't literally mean next month, but I'm saying it shouldn't be years in between and right. kind of wishy-washy with all that. So having said all that, I think that with phase five, with everything that they've announced here, we have the best chance for them to get back on track and actually fulfill that destiny. 
and Captain America New World Order right before Thunderbolts. Imagine what that could look like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of synergy opportunities. I'm going to push back on you, David, on one thing. I think that this movie will take what they did in Falcon Winter Soldier and do what Multiverse of Madness did with WandaVision, where WandaVision is such a great character buildup to what we end up getting in Multiverse of Madness. Like, everybody's shocked that she was the bad guy. No, that's what WandaVision is. Look how bad this human is. And um, mm-hmm. I think that they are going to take Falcon Winter Soldier and look at that as we have just built an amazing new Captain America that people genuinely care about. Let's use him mm-hmm. right off the jump, just like Winter Soldier did. Uh, mm-hmm. Tim, you mentioned earlier that you think Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to kind of be the Infinity War um, version for Kang. I think that Cap uh, NWO is going to be like the Age of Ultron for this saga, where I think a lot of the bigger universe themes and just the conversations and whatever's happening on the ground, I think is all going to come to a swell here in New World Order. A lot like Age of Ultron is so much a prelude to Civil War, which is so much. Dude, so in your mind is Thunderbolt Civil War? Because yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, exactly. Imagine <laughs> in two months away, we get Age of Ultron and then Civil War. Exactly. Oh, baby. Yeah, I yeah. think I think I think of the log ripping conversation between Tony and uh, Steve Rogers. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get something like that here. That's going to lead into Thunderbolts or lead into whatever the next Avengers thing, uh, more Avengers related project could be. Yeah, last thing on this is just I want to see this Sam Wilson become the leader of the Avengers in this movie right. too. Like in that, that that's, same... what I, that's what I mean a lot as well. Exactly. And like we need that because we haven't seen him as an Avenger really since Endgame. And he's supposed to be the leader now, right? He is Captain America. He's gonna take over this mantle. And gosh, I can't wait. Matt, I know where you're going, but but give it to me. Your it's first Guardians. round pick. It's it's yeah. always been Guardians, guys. I mean, this is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One is my favorite movie of all time. Um, I walked down the aisle to come and get your love. Um, James Gunn has done nothing since uh, since volume two. James Gunn has done nothing but prove to me that he can continue to do the thing I love that he does most is that make me genuinely care about characters I have no business caring about. The end of the Suicide Squad, as ridiculous as that movie is, I am genuinely emotional about a swarm of rats that I find so disgusting. And that is just something that he's done in Guardians over and over and over again that makes those spectacular movies. Obviously, the soundtrack is going to change music once again. Two of the top highest selling vinyls of all time, Guardians 1 and Volume 2. We're going to get a third soundtrack. That alone puts it at the top of my list. We're going to get a trilogy (laughs) style ending to the Guardians, which, you know, you think about how much emotion James Gunn brings into it. That's got to be something amazing, something impactful. The whole third of a trilogy feeling is a real thing. I mean, we felt it with Bond. We felt it with Iron Man 3. You know, like, I don't care how you feel about any of those movies. The trilogy ending has that vibe. And then you add in the fact that this feels like a Rocket story. Rocket, one of the more underrated characters in the MCU, in my opinion. The fact that we're getting a lot of him I think is going to just put this in a very awesome level, not to mention all the things it's going to do for MCU Cosmic and, you know, how they can push the ball forward with a Warlock or maybe a Nova appearance, whatever it end up, ends up being. Guardians 3 on the soundtrack alone is my number one. You add in all the other elements, by far and away my most anticipated project. Tim, what do you think of Guardians 3? I mean, it was it was my second pick. And it, for, for reasons you're saying, I don't necessarily think it's going to be the most important to the phases of the MCU or any of that. That's not what mm-hmm. it's about. It's about 
Guardians. It's about the end of this amazing, amazing trilogy with these characters that we have now loved for the last 10 years, seeing them all on stage, crying, being emotional, just talking about this and what it means to them. Like, I love that. I love it so much. I feel like that is earlier we're talking about Wakanda Forever and Fast and Furious, even a little bit about dealing with the, the loss of real life uh, of people, right? And how they deal with that. This is so different than that. Like this doesn't, and James Gunn said, doesn't necessarily mean everyone dies like that, you know, yeah. that we'll have to wait and see. But um, again, watching the, the 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 really bad footage that I could find from this, like seeing little baby rocket, that alone got me tearing up, man. Like, I'm like, what this movie is going to end me. Like, I don't know how we're going to be able to handle it. Like, I think it's going to be ending all over again with or without deaths. I think that the emotion is just going to be there for so many reasons. I love making a rocket story. I agree with you. Rocket is so underrated. I love I loved seeing him in Endgame kind of step it up. And it seemed like he was like one of the key guys. I love that. And I hope that that continues. So uh, very excited for Guardians 3. And man, what a what a run of movies that we might get with Wakanda forever. Ant-Man and then Guardians. Matt? Yeah. It's insane. And Tim, you know, I'm, I'm admittedly an interview fanboy. You know, I'm not embarrassed to say that. I love your show. Um, I Thank feel you. like I've gotten to know you guys a little bit through that show. I've gotten to know you pretty well just through conversations. Is there a more anticipated rewatch for you than the Guardians rewatch heading into volume three? Oh, no, no, no there's not. Right? Definitely not, man. I can't <laughs> wait to watch. I, it, yeah, it's oh, and that's the thing. I've never watched them back to back. So I'm yeah. extremely excited to do that leading into this. Oh, again, it's just going to be so emotional, man. It's big time. Uh, David Guardians. Yeah, it was up there near the top of my list. I mean, just finishing out this trilogy, I, I genuinely think this is going to be... I, I wasn't as high on Volume 2, personally. Um, I'm very high on Volume 1, Top 10 MCU movie for me. Adore it. I think this is going to kill. Like, I checked out some of that Chicky Cam footage as well, Tim, and holy shit. Like, this thing, I think, is going to be amazing. I think James Gunn is going to put a nice little bow end cap on his trilogy. And there's just... I don't know of a, I don't, there's not, there's not one other project coming up that has so much emotion tied to it. And I just, I'm going to be a mess. I think so many people are going to be a mess that are fans of this um, series. And the fact that we had to wait so long for it, it's going to be six years difference from the volume two to volume three, because of everything that happened, he gets fired, goes to the DC, gets rehired. Like all of this craziness leads up to this moment in May. So that just, Oh my gosh, like, this had to be a first round pick. There's no way it's not. Think about the mad scientist that James Gunn is. Guardians mm -hmm. is objectively the most comedy first franchise in the MCU. Obviously, they're all funny to some extent. Ragnarok is probably the most comedy movie, but like the Guardians franchise is like the one that embraces the comedy more than anything. And all we could talk about is how sad we're going to be and how, no, how much for we're going to cry. But that's the beauty of comedy. Right. That that shows James Gunn's strength of understanding what comedy needs to be, which is like making us feel something. Right. right. I uh, I can't wait for this. And, you know, to David's point about how long the gap's been, it's it's pretty wild that we're getting to this this era where we're having multiple characters like Doctor Strange being a good example of how long has it been since we last saw him. Shang-Chi is interesting. Like, when are we even going to see him show up in another movie again? I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully soon. But with yeah. the Guardians, we we did have this big gap. But there was that beautiful moment where we didn't just lose them for the last five years. We got them in Infinity War. We got them in Endgame. We got them in Thor Love and Thunder. Now we're going back to their story. And I think that it's ill. All of that adding up is, is it's perfect timing. I think that this is going to end up being a top five 
uh, MCU movie. And I, I think that I, I honestly think that that is going to be a, a fairly unanimous thought, but Hey, I'm just being hopeful. Yeah. Throw that shit on a t-shirt, man. I feel good about my pick. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. So we're heading into the second round here. Here's the wraparound. Here's the snake. I'm between two projects. I'm kind of equal on both of them. So I got to play the graphic a little bit. I do get a little competitive. I do want to win this thing. So I am going to go with Daredevil Born Again. No! Uh, no! <laughs> and I feel very good about my pick. Um, Daredevil... Yeah. Um, I mentioned them. I mentioned earlier that they are doing everything they can to put Charlie Cox in as much as they can to make up for lost time. Not only is he in She-Hulk, not only was he in No Way Home, there's rumors she's going to be an Echo in a black suit. Um, so there's so many things that they're trying to do with Charlie Cox. And I think what they're doing is trying to get his face in front of people as much as they can to get people excited about his upcoming show, but also go back and rewatch the Netflix series. Go back and see where this guy came from. It's so interesting that they have an origin story that they're willing to embrace. Something that, you know, is unheard of in these kinds of stories. Like, oh, we don't, we didn't. It's like when an NFL uh, general manager drafts a quarterback and then gets fired, the next guy doesn't want that quarterback. He had nothing to do with bringing him up. So it's right. it's an interesting thing that they're embracing the Netflix stuff, at least to what we know so far. What I'm really interested mm -hmm. with Born Again, this completely changes the way we look at Disney+. Plus. This changes everything. The number of episodes, the length of the episodes, the fact that they could be TVMA, the doors are wide open for more interesting styles of storytelling. We have had one year of Disney plus or a little over a year of Disney plus they're still figuring out what the best storytelling tools are for these characters. They've introduced two new characters. They've brought in former supporting characters into main character roles through Disney plus. Now they're going to experiment with more long form stuff, more traditional TV stuff with an established TV superhero character. I think this could open the door to just even more, spectacular storytelling on disney plus that doesn't just add to the mcu it supplements the main narrative um on the small screen which is something i really like david um daredevil born again 18 episodes you excited am i excited if <laughs> tim had taken captain america in the first round i was taking this in the first round Let's go. this is how excited i am for this series i I adore the Netflix series. Like I actually, I've, that is my favorite Marvel show point blank. I don't care. Disney plus like that is the best to me, especially seasons one and three. Like it is excellent. And I'm not even, I've never read a daredevil comic book. I just ordered a few online because I'm so excited to dive wow. into it. Yeah. And I think bringing back Charlie Cox is an incredible move. Like you had to do it. He is perfect for the role. And I, I love the idea of bringing him now into the MCU and making it somewhat connected, like we just said, Matt, and playing with this 18-episode idea. Like, are we going to be watching it week by week for four and a half months? Four I really and a half not. months. <laughs> Something insane. crazy like that? Like, I, I don't, I kind of don't really want that. Like, please just... <laughs> release it in chunks do like a volume thing like stranger things or something because i did see some uh like number crunching where you know if it's like 40 ish minutes it'll be like around 12 or 13 hours which is typical for one of the netflix shows where they were like longer as well and anyway um couldn't be more excited i'm very interested who's involved in this series this one doesn't come out for a while too 
Um, I'm kind of surprised where it was placed. It's spring 2024. So right around that Captain America Thunderbolts area we were just discussing that could lead directly into this. The street level of the MCU has never been better. I will say that about phase four, phase five. I mean, no way home of it all. That that was the best street level, quote unquote, street level movie like <laughs> in the MCU history, you know, because it was pretty much all New York, you know, it's all based there. And then the way it ends, of course. So by then, I really hope we get some more connectivity with him. Obviously, like you said, making up for lost time, he's going to kind of build up to that moment. But gosh, am I easily my most anticipated Disney Plus series probably ever for the MCU? Tim, what do you think? Oh, man, I, I think this is about to be incredible. This was going to be my second pick uh, if I had it my way. I can't believe they're doing this. I think that uh, the, the Born Again is such a fantastic subtitle for so many reasons. 18 episodes, bringing them back, being so proud to bring back Car Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio, uh, having Echo before it, right? I mean, Matt was saying this, but they are going to be in She-Hulk even and like No Way Home. Like we're getting the Charlie Cox uh, kind of, sprinkled in here and there but then he's going to get the longest most substantial uh disney plus show we've had so far and again i keep making this point but everything we've seen so far on disney plus has come from the exact same impetus of best laid plans before the pandemic happened right this is the first time that i think they're building towards something where we the pandemic's not over but people have control and understanding of how to to work through it in production so i think that them making the choice for 18 episodes is a power move that is them saying hey we were trying the six episode format it worked in some ways didn't in others but this has the potential to be something special i'm still not entirely convinced it's not gonna be like kind of like david saying three six episode volumes and honestly i wouldn't really be mad at that if we kind of got them if it wasn't week to week to week to week there was little gaps with uh some moments to kind of breathe and get excited kind of like stranger things yeah. did i don't want the binge model i am a fan of week to week i like the conversation uh part of that's i'm a content creator so i like it but also part of it is right. the the most fun I have with the uh, with Marvel projects is talking about them with people yeah. like this, right? Talking with my friends. So it's yeah. like I like that. What's happening next week? Oh my God, this happened. What what does that mean? You know. But at the same time, I like there being that end moment of the big reveal of Kamala Khan's a mutant. Oh my God, what the fuck? You yeah. know what I mean? So uh, Daredevil: Born Again, I think, is going to be a turning point for Disney Plus and the MCU. Absolutely. And I'm excited to have it on my team. David, your pick is up next. So second round, what do we got? Yeah, this, this one was tricky. It's a similar situation where I was kind of had a few tied here, but I got to go with it. I mentioned him earlier, Loki season two. I feel like because of how integral season one was to now it's going to be the entire multiverse saga. I think Loki season two is going to be one of the most, I would say, impactful or important series of Phase 5 to the greater story, because I imagine we get Jonathan Majors again. Yeah. Um, I would kind of, at this point, I'd be surprised if we didn't, you yeah. know? Um, I, I feel like he'll probably be confirmed. I will say, like, my biggest kind of thing, uh, thing, my biggest gripe, I guess I would say, with Season 1 was what the Sylvie-Loki relationship developed into, because that just seemed a little, it was a little off-putting for me, just because kind of like, why am you making me think too much about this? Because I think that story would have worked the exact same way, if not better, if it was like a brother-sister thing. Um, and then it kind of became what it did. But in general, uh, I could not be more excited about the next season of Loki because I feel like 
I don't really see it as a season. It's just the continuation of the Loki story that we know, the TVA of it all, the Kang, what's happening. Because even the way, what's crazy, we talked about earlier, the way that that season ended compared to, well, how it ended. And we thought we were going to see the effects play out in No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness. And maybe they did, right? Maybe they are playing out that way. But it wasn't directly told to us. So I'm excited to kind of pick left off in the end of season one and see where this progresses the MCU and what what happens to Hiddleston by the end, right? Like, what is the future of this character? He's been playing for 10 years, over 10 years now. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. Future of Tom Hiddleston's big. There's no more important project, I think, than Loki season two, simply because this is where we're going to hopefully get our big bad even more fleshed out. Um, It's an interesting project. And I think, like a lot of these, the trailer is going to do a lot for it. Tim, Loki season two, and then your second round pick. Oh, Loki is my favorite of the Disney Plus shows. WandaVision right behind it, where WandaVision kind of fell off in the end. I think that Loki just stuck the landing harder than I would have ever imagined. And not just the he who remains mind-blown explosion of, wow, here's the multiverse. They're going there. They are doing this. But even just a couple episodes back, introducing Elioth as this uh, this ridiculous thing that destroyed destroyed Kang the Conqueror right like the yeah. lore the backstory that they they gave us with all this like the the first episode tossing the infinity stones meaning they're nothing like all of yeah, these choices was- I think were just absolutely wild and an example of phase four really working for me but to me the moment of Loki season one was classic Loki bringing up the magic yeah. Asgard and and all of that oh my God. I never Fire. thought that we'd get oh. a moment that epic in one of the shows like that is one of my favorite mcu moments period across every one of the movies i loved mm-hmm. that so getting loki season two could not be more excited i think they're going to continue with the the strengths of the first and um i love the fact that we now know we are not only building the secret war we're also building to kang dynasty like kang is the guy we're going full on in we're getting him in quantum mania to now get a little bit more of i imagine this dealing again with the lore and the foundation the history setting it all up oh that's what i live for yeah that's that's what it's all about and it's very exciting stuff loki season two is going to be huge tim back-to-back picks here in round two and three Oh, I get two. That's fantastic. Because I was draft, stressed, between, yeah. stressed between two of them, man. Um, and again, let's just say, how great of a phase is this? I'm excited for pretty awesome. much every single thing here. Um, I, I'm, I'm torn between two of the, the movies, two of the bigger team-up movies. And because I get two picks, I'm going to take them. But in the order of Thunderbolts and then the Marvels. So nice. speaking on the Thunderbolts real quick, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but one, there's two things I'm really excited about for it. Three things, actually. One yeah. is its proximity to Captain America New World's order. That could be really interesting. I hope that they have some connections there. That could be awesome. Two, this is going to be one of the first times we, we're going to get what we've been asking for from phase four, seeing new characters interact with each other. Sure, mm-hmm. we got US Agent, we have Zemo, we have, uh, they're not all new to the phase, but you get what I'm saying. Um, we have uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus out there kind of collecting them all. We have Yelena, we have Abomination. We have a lot of potential for people that are in this group, but to have them all together interacting, those are the moments we look for in the MCU and are, are so excited about. So I think that that is going to be extremely interesting to have a team booby of characters interact together the third thing though is who are they interacting together against right, right. it's very very 
suspicious to me that we don't have an Avengers movie before the saga enters down the line, right? We don't have a moment for, to David's point, Sam Wilson becoming the leader, becoming the Avengers leader. I think it might be this movie. I think that Captain America New World Order will tee it up, but I think we might get a sense of what the Avengers means in the world at this point. Maybe not as antagonist to the Thunderbolts, but a protagonist, depending on how you think about it, but more as kind of a factor in the story where they are going to exist. And we're going to, I think we're going to get a lot of extended cameos in, in it. And I feel like Thunderbolts is going to have a civil war esque feel. And I think it'd be really interesting to kind of get the development of what does Sam Wilson's Avengers look like? So that's really exciting to me because I think that's a perfect place to have interactions between Shang-Chi and Captain America. Yeah. Yeah, no, no and, I, and I was yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say with Thunderbolts, I I would love the idea of Thunderbolts to be like the boys, where they're like kind of the perspective of the boys. They're not the superheroes. They're not the ones saving the day, and not to the same effect, obviously, but kind of the similar like perspective, right? I think we need more in the MCU of seeing the public, which I think the Thunderbolts could represent in some ways, being against the Avengers, right? Kind of looking down upon superheroes because of how much it's expanding and how much it will have expanded by Thunderbolts too. This could be a really interesting look at, especially after Captain America, of where superheroes are right in this world, on in this universe. And I think Thunderbolts kind of correct that a little bit and had some really interesting themes going on there. And I personally think this could be the Yelena Belova movie. This could be the, mm. you know, putting Yelena Belova over as that main character uh, after Black Widow. Also, John Walker, a great chance for him to shine and move forward. Uh, Tim, you also picked the Marvels, which is a very exciting pick uh, for a ton of reasons, one of which being Kamala Khan. I mean, it's Kamala Khan, right? Like, that is the reason. We're, we just got introduced to this character in a show that was fantastic. Not perfect, but fantastic. And now, boom, she's getting a big budget. A lot of my issues related to budget. Now she's getting it. I love it. I think that this is going to be great. We want to see characters interact. We're about to get an interaction between three characters we haven't seen interact yet, right? Like having Photon, having Miss Marvel, and having Captain Marvel all together. I think Captain Marvel uh, so far has kind of gotten a raw deal when it comes to the MCU. I love Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. I think she has a lot to to Mm -hmm. prove that we haven't seen yet. The one second we got of her in Miss Marvel gives me faith that we're going to get a a Captain Marvel that I adore in this movie. And I just can't wait to see new characters that we love or characters we love new and old team up for the first time. And I have high hopes for this movie. I'm a little concerned about it, but I have high hopes for it. I think this is your Ragnarok. I think this is your franchise turnaround movie of phase five. This is where Captain Marvel takes it up a notch. And I know it's different because we've only gotten one movie of her and it was a prequel. Um, But um, another thing I want to add, Monica Rambeau was one of my favorite parts of WandaVision in a super surprising kind of way. Like what a, what a scene stealer uh, uh, Tayona Paris was in that show. And to see her back with that emotional relationship with Carol Danvers, super exciting stuff. David, uh, your thoughts on the Marvels real quick and then your third round pick. Kamala Khan, baby. I'm in on this movie just because of her. But My I... third round pick. Well, speaking of Netflix, there was a interesting villain in uh, I or what was it? Not Iron Fist. Um, Luke Cage, played mm. by the one and only Mahershala Ali, and he's back, baby. 
He's back in the MCU. Blade, this is my next pick. I feel like this is something that is going somewhat under the radar after the 2019 announcement because it kind of is like, hey, it's happening. Okay. You know, there's no connectivity. We don't have vampires yet in the MCU. I cannot wait for this movie. I think it's going to introduce something so different for the MCU, a tone shift, right? Not this jokey joke, which I, I still enjoy. I love Love and Thunder, which people are critical of because of all the jokes. But I think Blades can be something different, something new, something that's not really made for like all ages, possibly as everything else normally is. And man, imagine if they go rated R with this. Could you <laughs> imagine the reaction? I mean, it would be a huge swing, but I think they would nail it. I don't think they will do that. I think they're going to you know, make a PG-13 and continue it to like build this out and be very Disney in the MCU. But gosh, I cannot wait for this film. I am very happy with this pick. I think this plays like Dr. Strange introducing a new segment of the MCU um, on a supernatural side of things. Obviously we've got Moon Knight werewolf by night is somewhere. No one knows, Um, but um, you know, the supernatural stuff is starting to build a little bit. I think blade could be like the Avengers movie of the supernatural heroes, which Mm. when you're thinking about secret wars, it's about dividing the universe into different sectors and then bringing them all together. Blade could be the leader of his own sector. Tim, what are we excited for with Blade and Mahershala Ali? No, oh, I mean, come on. Blade, Mahershala Ali, say no more. But I think the really exciting thing to me is kind of what you guys were talking about already is that we're going to get a bunch of seeds to it. I think uh, the reason we don't have the pure hype is it was the hype announcement of the yeah. uh, 2019 panel, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was that one more thing like, whoa, this is wild. We can't believe it. But now I feel like there just isn't anything to say about it, but they wanted to put the date just a date, not that exciting because we all kind of assumed that open spot was going to be Blade anyways. We knew the November date. It just was an untitled Marvel project. We're like, okay, it's Blade. Um, but I do think it's interesting with D23 coming up, with Disney Plus Day coming up. Like it, we're getting Werewolf by Night announced. Like it's, uh, that is coming this year. I imagine that that might be the first time we actually see Blade. But remember, we've heard Blade. Right at the yeah. end of Eternals, we get the the uh, the Black Knight. We'll see him eventually, and I know people's thoughts on this right now are are kind of eh. And uh, because of that, I feel like the post credit scenes, uh, the, there being two of them, one being Harry Styles, that people have their feelings about, and a lot of people are excited for, and a lot of people are like, "All right, what like this the, the <laughs> celestial story seems a little weird." Uh, and, but then there is. You know, Kit Harrington as the Black Knight. When do they come back? When do they announce the Midnight Suns project? How does this all fit together? There's a lot of reasons to be excited for Blade. And I think that uh, when I'm back on this show in a couple months after Disney Plus Day and D23, I think we're going to really understand why people are excited about Blade. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Tim Getty's going to be our de facto reactions guy if I had to imagine things. This is his only album. <laughs> really nerd out. It is. I need it. I need it. Yeah, and we're happy to give it to you. Um, the action in Blade also is something that's going to be probably pretty great. I feel like I'm cheating a little bit here. I'm not sure why this project hasn't been picked yet. It's my number four on my list. Uh, Cap New World Order is the only one that has gotten taken from me. It's Secret Invasion. It's it's very close. <laughs> yeah. It's right around the corner. Um, it's a Nick Fury show, which is an exciting thing to think about. One of the biggest veterans in the MCU. Um, the only you know I've been I've talked about for a long time why I'm so excited about this. I think it's going to bring the ground level threat to uh, the multiverse saga. Obviously, Kang is the overarching you know thing that we're all thinking about down the line. But while Kang is happening, our ground level guys are going to need something to do, and I think Secret Invasion could be that thing. Um, the uh, Ultron or Sokovia Accords of 
the Infinity Saga, if you will. Um, the footage they showed at Comic-Con, I've heard one reaction from our girl Lauren Rose. Tim, who works at the Direct, flew all the way from Australia to wait in the Hall H line. <laughs> Wild. Good for her. That's awesome. She's yeah. a machine over there. Um, she described it as claustrophobic, which is yeah. exactly the word I'm looking for. Tim, Secret Invasion. I mean, dude, I... It, it's one that I'm uh, hesitant about because it is from that initial lineup. So I think that a lot of the issues that we've had with the other ones are still going to be true for it. Having said that, I, I think that they have delayed this one for a reason. And a lot of things I've been talking about this episode have been wanting to see things kind of connect a little closer together and not having too big of a gap. We had Miss Marvel, right? Kind of build up this, this storyline and then secret invasion, or we're about to get She-Hulk with, some scroll action we saw in the trailers. Then we're about to get Secret Invasion that could lead very nicely into the Marvels. I love that we are finally at this point. Things are cruising. It's crazy to think about the scrolls and how they've been introduced into the MCU and some of the most surprising ways that I never would have thought. Like we get the scrolls obviously as uh, the based on the trailers, the antagonists of Captain Marvel. We find out that's not actually the case, right? We get introduced to Talos as this character that we are supposed to root for. And then when's the next time we see scrolls? Spider-Man far from home? Who could have called that? Such a bizarre choice, right? But I think that they did that uh, for a reason, specifically having Nick Fury and Maria Hill, who we know are the stars of the show, uh, Samuel Jackson specifically. But I think that there's a lot of wise choices going on. And I think the scrolls are, are we're going to see start seeing a lot more of them in the same way we've been talking about seeing a lot more Charlie Cox so that when we get Daredevil, it's going to be like, whoa, I think the scrolls and all that stuff are being set up in a really nice way that the, the Marvels could deal with them in a epic fashion after getting the breadcrumbs and all these different shows and secret invasion, turning them from being um, the, Hey, Talos is a funny dude to like, Oh, these are the bad guys. We, we thought we were getting in captain Marvel, captain Marvel one. Yeah. And that's yeah. something that we gotta be excited about. Yeah, I'm excited for the Nick Fury of it all, being back Samuel L. Jackson, obviously kind of having a leading role in a Disney Plus show. That sounds pretty cool to me. Um, I didn't like love the scrolls in Captain Marvel. I didn't love that movie at all. So that's why it's kind of lower on my list, obviously. I am kind of interested in how this is a TV show because I feel like Secret Invasion is such a big idea and event and it's just this one show. So I'm most curious, honestly, with this show because what I sense, it's going to set up something more, yeah. you know? Like it's gonna it's gonna deal with what it deals with, but like Secret Invasion isn't something you handle and complete in six episodes or whatever it's gonna be, right? I think this is gonna have ripple effects across the entire MCU, and that's what I'm excited for most with this one. Yeah, and not Jake Johnson from No Way Home and Miss Marvel, the damage control guy. That's a scroll. Um, there's no way that's oh. not a scroll. <laughs> it's the most oh, love it. oh hun- yeah, hundred percent. But I love that. I love yeah. that we we have gotten enough breadcrumbs that we're looking at that and we're like, oh yeah, that's going to be the case. And they set it up well. Uh, two more points I want to make: WandaVision ending right. One of the the end mm-hmm. scenes, post credit scenes, being Monica Rambeau with the squirrels, Nick Fury up, like all that stuff yeah. from Barb Holmes, and like there are surprising scroll elements, and not even to mention. Shang-Chi post credits with Captain Marvel in it, right? And yep. the the beacon and now Miss Marvel having the bangle and all that. And it's like, we're about to get to the Marvels. 
Good lord, the MCU's good, man. Y'all are sleeping on phase four's connectivity, <laughs> man. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, we're heading into the fourth round, the lightning round. I 100% expected these three projects to be the ones that were left. Um, you know, this is where the uh, the downside of Disney Plus maybe shows its face, but I think we can all find excitement in each of them. I'm very excited to be able to take my pick of the remaining three, and it's going to be Ironheart. Um, I, I don't know what this show is going to be about. I don't know what this character is going to be like. Is this going to be a mini Tony Stark? No one knows. I do. The reason I have this above the other two is characters like Monica Rambeau, John Walker, Echo, Xiling from Shang-Chi, Scarlet Scarab, all of these supplemental characters that we've got in phase four that we're excited to see more of. Um, I think have all earned that in their respected uh, projects and the respected time that they got. I think whatever we get from Riri Williams in Wakanda forever is going to maybe not build excitement for Ironheart, but we're all going to understand what it's going to be about. You know I mean? We're all going to have that little piece of information uh, to see what happens moving forward. So I will be taking Ironheart in the fourth round and I'm very excited about my team. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on Riri Williams and Ironheart, the Disney plus series? Oh, I mean, dude, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I don't really know what the show's going to be, but uh, four seconds of her in the Wakanda Forever trailer, and I'm already like, hey, if, if this is one of my least anticipated things that they're doing, wow, they are knocking out of the park. I, I can't wait for it. We know that Armor Wars is happening down the line somewhere. Uh, they, they announced that that's not canceled, so it's like this is going to lead into that. I love that we have multiple storylines. I'm here for it, man. Absolutely. David, yeah. your fourth-round pick and Ironheart thoughts. Ironheart thoughts is, wow, could this shoot up my anticipation when Black Panther comes out, right? Yeah. When we finally meet her. I mean, th- this could be so much higher after that movie. Right now, I just have no idea. I've never read a comic. Um, my final pick is Echo. Um, I honestly, what's kind of funny is these last two to me, they're in their own tier. For me personally, of like least anticipated. Th- these are the two that I could I could live without. Why I'm picking Echo, though, is the street level connectivity here. Um, I thought that Maya was handled fine in Hawkeye, but personally thought she was a bit of a distraction from the main show. She felt very set up for her own series, which is cool, but I thought it was it wasn't done in a very smooth way as other stuff is in the MCU. That's just my opinion. Obviously, it brought in Wilson Fisk and it's fine. But like her element of that show was kind of what I didn't like about that one as as compared to like Clint and everything going on with Haley Steinfeld. Like that's where the sh- show to me shine through so i'm picking echo reluctantly i guess um but it's it's the final round so what can i do i am very excited for daredevil though right for that yeah like i said (laughs) street level connectivity god i I cannot wait to see that keep growing in the mcu absolutely yeah i think echo is going to be one of those uh the dark horses i think where uh a lot of people aren't going to watch it and then they're going to be like wait a minute wilson fisk is running for mayor and all that's they're going to it's word of mouth and they're going to be like I need to watch that. And then it's going to be one of those like connectivity things where down the line, it's going to be real important. Uh, obviously echo and Agatha covet of chaos are two ones where we're like, they're getting shows. Yeah, really? But I think that the reality is they are getting shows, which Agatha is uh, different in, in this, but I think that it's important for, with echo and Maya getting this, uh, her own show. I love it. I just love that the MCU is continuing to put their money where their mouth is in terms of representation and in terms of trying to broaden what the MCU can look like. Um, so I love that, but my pick is Agatha coming of chaos to, to end it all out. It has to be, but honestly, <laughs> I'm excited for it because it 
is going to be way more of a WandaVision sequel than mm-hmm. uh, than, a, than it is going to be this dark magic thing. Yeah. There'll be elements of that. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I love WandaVision. And if we get anything to match Agatha all along and that energy, I'm going to be stoked about it. I will not be shocked if we see uh, Elizabeth Olsen in this. And God, that's exciting to me. Absolutely. And Catherine Hahn, one of the more underrated actors, not just comedians, actors um, of phase four. Just running it back real quick. Tim has Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Thunderbolts, the Marvels, and Agatha Coven of Chaos. David has Cap, No Way, uh, New World Order, Loki Season 2, Blade, and Echo. And I came out with Guardians Volume 3, Daredevil Born Again, Secret Invasion, and Ironheart. Tim, thank you so much for joining us to break down the future of the MCU. The future. Thank you so much to Tim Geddes for joining us. We'll see you back after D23 to break down the rest of the news from 2022. But, David, we're not done yet. And that's kind of how it went with Comic-Con, right? You know, we got our Phase 4 stuff. We got our Phase 5 stuff. Surprising Phase 6 announcements. Like, we had no idea we were getting anything Phase 6, let alone three of the 12 projects. Um, And for those who don't understand what I just said, there are nine projects that are untitled. We have dates or rough seasons, I guess, but we do not have a title. So we do know how many projects are in phase six as of now, but only three were announced. Um, David, dealer's choice. Do you want to go over the structure of the saga as far as time and stuff first, or do you want to go over the projects first? Let's do the structure first. I think so, the structure is interesting to me. I yeah. think so too. I've been crunching a lot of numbers on this. <laughs> yeah, and it's there's numbers to here. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, it was announced that phases four, five, and six will be titled the multiverse saga, the infinity saga, phases one, two, and three, the multiverse saga, phases four, five, and six. If you just look at movies, movies alone. It is expected that the multiverse saga will have less movies than the infinity saga, but it will have more Disney plus shows. So I personally think that the content kind of balances out in kind of a way, obviously there's more content with Disney plus, but you know, it's, it's kind of a, if there was Disney plus, they would have done Disney plus. Right. Right. I'm not crazy when I think that. So the, the most interesting thing here, three phases in 11 years. That's what the Infinity Saga was. It started in 08. It finished in 2019 with Spider-Man Far From Home. It took 11 years to create three phases. The Multiverse Saga, as it is scheduled right now, started with WandaVision in January of 2021, and it will end in November of 2025. Mm. That it's going to take four years, 10 months, but five years to do three phases for the multiverse saga. And so many people immediately hopped on Twitter and said, you see, they're rushing it. They're just trying to get it out as fast as they can. This is going to suck because they're not taking their time, which we all know me. And I'm sorry, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here, but go for it. Patience, timing, execution. That's what makes the MCU better than everybody else. I have always been a stan of take your time to do these things because that makes them better at the end. It's worth it to wait for a lot of this stuff. But mm-hmm. something I realized after they announced this that I never realized before, they are releasing four movies a year. That is the official new standard for the MCU. It started as kind of a COVID necessity because we did lose 2020 
And mm-hmm. I think that's why I think that's why No Way Home snuck into the back of 2021, just because like right. you know Sony needed to get it out like sooner rather than Marvel Studios did, which I think was a good move by Sony to give it that Christmas yep. view. And uh, do you agree with that? Have you um, have you have you always been behind the release date of No Way Home? Yes, okay. in the sense that what what I wanted to been later. Well, no, it's just like it, it to me when it was first announced, it feels like they were just trying to sneak it in in the back of the year and it, maybe it felt rushed, but it ended up being just kind of perfect for Christmas. No, yeah, I thought it was great. I mean, for them, it was after what they would have liked. They would have liked it to be July 2021, yeah. you know, and I actually think that worked out because then it was an event. It became this Christmas time, winter, like go out to the theater event, which was amazing. I, I, I saw it with my friends from high school, the people I hadn't seen a movie with in forever. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Love it. Star Wars feeling yeah. with that December release. Exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, Star Wars in December. Is there anything better? Is there anything better than Star Wars in December? Uh, it, it was fun while it lasted, yes. Oh, no. Is it dead? Anyway, um, the Infinity Saga. <laughs> <No> Avatar. <laughs> the, the Infinity Saga, three phases, 11 years. Multiverse Saga, three phases, in five years four movies a year for the multiverse saga had the infinity saga started with four movies a year it would have taken you guessed it five years so Mm -hmm. you look at it that way they are not doing things faster narratively they're still doing the same amount of story in the same amount of movies obviously they're adding the disney plus to add even more story that's a different conversation but I, I personally think the, the length of time between phase one and phase three of the Infinity Saga is solely because they weren't releasing movies at the clip that they are releasing them now. Had they been able to release four movies a year, you bet your ass they would have because it would have made them a lot of money. David, what are your thoughts on the numbers breakdown of the pacing of the multiverse saga? Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of in between, I'd say where you are and maybe like what the way people are like, Oh, it's so rushed. I do. I hear what you're saying. I understand. I'm a devil's advocate a little bit though. I do like the idea of letting things breathe a little. Yes. And to me specifically phase six, well, I guess phase, phase five, leading right into phase six, there, there's not much room for breath. You know, um, if you look at the state, the phase six slot, like it starts phase six starts, with probably a show in fall of 2024, right? We're going to get Fantastic Four. We'll talk about the projects in a minute um, in November. And then the entire phase and the saga ends a year later, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's a phase in one year, which is kind of crazy to me, especially when you're like end capping the saga. And there's a ton of, don't get me wrong, a ton of projects, right? It's not just like a couple of projects and then we end it. Um, but maybe I, I, and I'll be honest, early prediction, possibly I wouldn't, I mean, this is, you know, this happens all the time. I wouldn't be surprised if this maybe shifts a little back, you know, because this is a lot. I mean, just in just the logistics of it, these are a lot of projects to pump out in this short amount of time. Like I hear what you're saying where there are so many projects. So it's narratively, it's going to probably make sense and work really well, but wow, that from a production standpoint, it seems almost unbelievable compared to where they were 10, five years ago, you know? So I was, I do want to say one thing too, just in general, sitting there, oh my gosh, so excited during Comic-Con, having a wonderful time covering for the direct.com. And wow, was I stunned 
when they're like, oh, phase four is ending. We're doing phase five. And here is phase six. Like, I couldn't believe that was what we got out Rapid of this. Fire, I expect, man. And yeah, and I expected, and I understand why. I understand their vision. I expected this to be a longer game, you know, but that's okay. Like we're getting so many projects. It's, it's, it's such a well-oiled machine at this point. I'm, I mean, as a fan, it's like awesome. You know, we get to end this in just a few years, like in, in three years, we're going to be at the end. I, I, it's unbelievable to me and I can't wait to experience it over these next few years, but wow, I will be very impressed. I will be stunned actually, if they keep all these dates intact, because it seems like something i mean even if nothing terrible happens or anything it's like wow this would be an a feat of production if they get this all done and i i hear and share all of those concerns i do i'm not saying that this is a guaranteed success but i think that the idea that they are rushing the content is a false Mm -hmm. narrative just because of the pace of play a little bit it's very it it is so much like sports like pre three-point line post three-point line I will say one thing that I, I'd be, I'm saying most concerned about, which could lead into like what the actual movies are that we know of in phase six. Um, I said phase three. Think of the past. Um, Dude, phase three is, is the... so long ago. Never heard yeah. of it. Just one of the no, nope. collections of movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I will say what I am probably the most concerned about, and this is not to diminish my hype one bit, because I think we'll get there is just the time we're going to have with our new Avenging core, our new Avengers. You know, we don't have Avengers 1, Avengers Age of One to then build to the collapse of Infinity War, where we've been with these characters for so long, actual years here and so many movies, right? Where we're not, I mean, there's no physical way we're going to get that in this. And that's, and that's okay, right? I think that's why they're playing up Kang so much. Right. We already got Kang in phase. He, Kang is in every single phase. Surprise, surprise! After seeing the Kang Dynasty is the is a, a real movie title to an Avengers film. So there are definitely, I think, things to be concerned about, and that's kind of when I we led earlier, where I think my perspective has changed a little bit on things from that opening day because having a few days to sit on it, it's like. There are definitely some things they need to knock out of the, and I am so, so interested to see what it means that two Avengers films come out six months apart, right? It, that is something they they've never done before. Other. Infinity War and Endgame was a year, and that felt very quick kind of back-to-back, looking back now, right? I mean, that and that was a year difference, and we were all waiting on pins and needles. This is six months. I mean, we're going to... If they if they go for a long theatrical release for the Kang Dynasty, which I believe they will, because it's an Avengers movie, not something you put on Disney Plus after forty five days. At least in my opinion, maybe Disney thinks differently. Um, I mean, we could be, be getting be out of, we get out of Kang Dynasty after a few months. Wait a couple more months. I mean, here's a question: When do we get a Secret Wars trailer? You know, like is there going to be one? Post Why would there even for Kang Dynasty? I, I I mean I guess I, you would think the entire movie is gonna be the 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 trailer for That's it, right? Point. That's a great uh, point, David. Because think about when Endgame's trailer came out and how you know it was a different, yeah, like it was a different look at it. It was uh, it gave it a lot of time to breathe after Infinity War. So anyway, it's very interesting what their plan is. It's totally different. They're mixing it up. It's not we're not getting that more grounded on Earth, quote unquote 
Avengers film in phase five, let's say, and then getting to the big saga ending event, which I'm okay with, right? Um, right. It is a surprise. They're not maybe letting it sit for longer, but the, like you said, the amount of content we're getting, which stories we're getting, how it's going to be told through Kang and Quantumania, Loki season two, and whatever else leading up to it, including all of these phase six products. We have no idea what they're going to be. Wow. And what I think is most, I don't know about ironic, but crazy about where the MCU is. There are so many projects. We just talked about Tim Gettys that we have to preview. And there's still so many they quote unquote missed and that could fill in these spots. And we're like, where, you know, where's Shang-Chi 2? Where is Werewolf by Night? Where is Armor Wars? The biggest, I think, missing block that, that's been officially announced from um, Senior Comic-Con. Where there's all these things that were quote unquote missing yet we're stuffed to the gills with content and we are going to be for the next few years. So it's crazy looking back on 2020 and that year break we had, right? We had a break. There is no break. It it is full go. There are no breaks on the Marvel Studios train and wow is it. This to me, looking back on it, was just so much proof of how well-oiled a machine Kevin Feige has created at Marvel Studios. What they're doing, like I said, from a producing studio Hollywood perspective is undreamt of. Um, undreamt of. Yeah. You know, there, there's no way anyone else could be doing this right now and have it where all of these are moneymakers, right? Mm-hmm. All of these are high view, some of the highest rated, highest viewed shows slash biggest box office openings at in movie theaters, you know? This is what they've created. And I think by the time we get to the end, it's going to be like, I can't believe we just got all that in five years or whatever right. it is. And the question's going to be the entire time, are they going to do it again? You know what I mean? Endgame was a feat. It was an achievement. It was, it was, a, it was a cultural moment. Avengers Endgame. You know what I mean? Like everyone saw that movie. And if you didn't see that movie, you heard about that movie. And if you didn't want to see that movie, it's because you didn't want to watch all of the other movies. Not because you didn't think it looked good or not because you weren't excited about it. It's because you just hadn't, you weren't on the ride. You missed the boat kind of thing. Um, the, all of those concerns, I think the production one is something I hadn't thought of. Just the sheer turnaround of all of these projects. You know, how does that happen? All that stuff. I understand that. And I don't know how they're going to, go over that hurdle maybe it's just throw more money at it i don't know even scheduling 100 i mean yeah the, a lot of that. the avengers films you imagine they're going to film them film those back to back right yeah, and like, the trailer that's, thing that's such a and you say film those back to back and one of the one of my favorite stories in all of hollywood is that they filmed infinity war and endgame back to back before black panther had released in theaters and yeah. you know obviously they did that as well with quantumania and captain marvel um, which when you look at Endgame, wow, it's amazing that Captain Marvel came out before Endgame, uh, uh, was film came out after Endgame was filmed. That's a really awesome thing when you look at her in that movie. But Black Panther, right. um, Infinity War was filmed before Black Panther came out. Think about how important Wakanda was in Infinity War. Just the, mm-hmm. the location of Wakanda, the Iba Bay chant being the battle cry of the fight. And they had no idea. Yep that it was going to be even good, you know, let alone the phenomenon that Black Panther was. How many movies yep. are going to fall under that umbrella with these back-to-back Avengers movies? How many, how many movies and shows that are important to Secret Wars are going to be 
um, released after Secret Wars has already been filmed. You know what I mean? It's a, they are not shying away from taking risk. They are not getting safe. We know yeah. that for sure. There is one thing I want to point out, though. The character development mm-hmm. uh, concern. And I totally agree that we do not have three Captain America movies to get invested in Steve Rogers anymore. We do not have nine Robert Downey Jr. appearances before Infinity War to make us really care about all that stuff. You know, it's it's going to be different. I'm not saying it's not going to be different. But like I talked about earlier, Phase 4 has made a spectacle of character development in a couple different ways, too. You think about Wanda, Vision, Sam Wilson, Bucky Barnes, Loki, all undoubtedly supporting characters in the infinity saga some of the best Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong but all of them were either villains in a project or supporting characters in another and that's all they ever were and and that's and there's such a role for that in the mcu disney plus became a developmental program to take those characters from supporting to main characters in the mcu wanda loki sam wilson bucky vision some of the biggest characters in the MCU right now. They also introduced new characters, Kate Bishop, uh, uh, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel. Those three characters are huge players moving forward on so many different levels, by the way, cosmic, supernatural, street level, all branches represented. I already care so much about them. Oh my God, do I care about those three characters? Stephen Grant, Kamala Khan, Kate Bishop. Like they've done such a good job using yeah. Disney Plus to make us care. So while I agree, it's not going to be the same as Endgame where Tony dies and the whole world feels it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's that's the kind yeah. of relationship we have with Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark. It's not going to be like that. But I do think as far as like emotional stakes, the use of Disney plus to build that, um, you know, why do I need to care about these characters vibe? I think that's going to be huge going yeah. into the multiverse saga. Obviously Disney plus is the only thing that makes this possible. And you have to imagine they're going to use it as such. I mean, hell 18 episodes, David. Oh, good God. Uh, <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Four and a half months. It's plus. possible. We could be doing that for four and a half months. Over a quarter, over a third of your year could be devoted to Daredevil. I mean, it's Daredevil, so I'm 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 into it, but they have to drop a few every week or, or something. Like, I don't know week what is they going do. to be at the drastically minimum two. I'm gonna assume three in the first week. Um but, you know, they did with WandaVision, two in the first. I think that was more of a narrative decision because those kind of play like one episode. When you look back at WandaVision, you know what I mean? The black and whites kind of play as yeah. one. Um, they did with WandaVision. They did it with Hawkeye. People forget, you know, two episodes in the first week. And they did it with uh, Miss Marvel. So um, I, I do one thing with Daredevil really quick. I do question. I wonder if they go maybe the Stranger Things route I mentioned earlier where, games. hey, it's yeah, like it's four or it's it's six right now. And then in two weeks, it's another six, right? Or something like that, you know, because 18 weekly, right? That just seems crazy. Even if you split it up into two or three, like say nine weeks of two episodes, I can see them doing that. That could be a good example. But holy shit, like if these are longer episodes, like it's gonna be so much content. And I think after seeing Stranger Things and how well it performed, Disney Plus could be playing in a pool of 
we're going to get creative here, you know, mm-hmm. for a, a, we want Daredevil to be 18 episodes. We want this to be a long 12, 13, 14 hour bit of content. Let's split it up. Let's say this month we get so many, the next month we get so many. And there is that cycle. There is that news cycle of us getting down, you know, talking about it. And then it sits, we, we get it in anticipation again and talk about it some more. So I think it's interesting that they are not going to stick to this because I've been a little critical of, hey, six episodes, go do it, right? That's how it feels to me sometimes where, you, oh, make it in how many episodes? Like try to do that. Um, at, this feels very um, deliberate, you know, for this story, it needs 18 episodes, yeah. which excites me very much. And if you're going to take a risk as far as storytelling format, do it with a character that people already love. You know what I mean? Like this is this is like Loki getting an 18 episode. We all be more into that than a Moon Knight. Um, Julio Jones signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I saw. It will not be an Indianapolis Colt. And um, I'm okay with that. Wow. Okay. All right. OBJ. Here we go. Um, let's move on. Ty Hilton. Is that our first Colts <laughs> talk since you've joined the podcast? It is. Nice. Look at us. Oh, it's and it's day bad. one of training camp. There yeah, we go. There it bad. is. It's going to get really bad. Um, very excited um, for the new era of sagas in the MCU. I can't equate it more to the three-point line of basketball more. It's just, it's built differently. It's a different game now that they're playing. And I think that's a crazy thing. Let's talk about the projects. Um, we won't spend too much time on Fantastic Four. David, we've been talking a lot about Fantastic Four lately um, in a very big way. Uh, please go listen to our fan cast of Fantastic Four, D23. I'm looking at you. Very possible. Still up for debate. Still still there, man. Yep. And um, I think what's really fun is we can also fan cast a few more projects ahead of D23, which is exciting stuff. Um, I do want to point out one thing about the fact that Fantastic Four is kicking off the third act of the multiverse saga in Phase 6. David, do you remember what project kicked off Phase 3? What project kicked off phase three? Civil War. I mean, that's a pretty big movie. <laughs> that's yeah. a pretty important movie to the rest of the Infinity Saga. People forget how much the Avengers being broken up impacted Infinity War. I think Fantastic Four could be in a Civil War spot of just this is going to be that kind of movie. I think it, this makes it a guarantee that we meet somebody from the Fantastic Four before the movie comes out. Who it is, I don't yeah. know. I don't think it's going to be Johnny Storm. I think it's going to be more of an intellectual. Uh, Sue, Bingram, uh, Reed Richards. But um, another just thing I want to point out real quick, David, we talked about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, could end up being a Kang movie. Loki season two, probably going to heavily feature Kang in a very big way. I think Fantastic Four could be our third Kang project, Kang-related oh, yeah. project. And I think that could be a very big um toward uh heading into king dynasty it could uh, play a huge role in just setting up the stakes which um if they're going to do two Infin- uh, avengers movies back to back i think they need to do what they did with infinity war where the movie starts and we already know what the problem is thanos is here and i think right. they need to set that up um in the same way civil war and ragnarok did with infinity war um david fantastic four any thoughts that we haven't talked about recently you know we're going to stick to the fan cast that me, you and Klein did. That's still up for debate. It's still yeah. out there. Um, I was surprised. We didn't Dr. get Montgomery, any- baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dick Montgomery. Let's go. And uh, I do think, you know, I actually not su- another one of those where, Oh man, it didn't it, like, we just got a date the night of now, a couple days later, they lost John Watts. Um, and like you just said, I, I think this movie is 
perfect and very, very specifically placed at the beginning of phase six. Cause I am going out there right now and guaranteeing Kang is in this movie. I, I view this as once again, setting him up. And this is the big setup. This is the November release before the May. Yeah. Before the May thing. And there's obviously the connection, right? Kang and Reed Richards. Is there a chance that in Quantumania, there's something that Kang, Kang's involved and that's how the Fantastic Four end up in the MCU? Because I'm not ruling out that they're already a team somewhere else, you know? Right. Um, And because how the Fantastic Four get brought into the MCU is going to be very telling to this story. Um, And I think it's going to, it's already laid out. It's very specific. That's why at Comic-Con, we got Fantastic Four, and the two Avengers movies, because those are the big hitters. Those are the ones, mark your calendars. Those are MCU events, right? They're not just movies. These are the three events of the final part in this saga. So that's how I took it. And that's how I think how everyone should read this, because these are the big, global, huge, overarching, not street level movies. (laughs) That's just how I view it. And I think that's their plan. And I think the Fantastic Four is the perfect team to merge the Earth's mightiest heroes with everything cosmic going on. You know what I mean? Because they can travel between the two, much like Captain Marvel can. Oh, my God. I want to see Reed Richards and Captain Marvel on screen together so bad, dude. I just think it would be so, you know, the muscle of Captain Marvel, the brains of Reed Richards. (laughs) Oh, I do want to say one thing, like because of the quick turnaround from Fantastic Four to the Avengers, and you imagine they're going to play a pretty big part in these Avengers movies. Sure. They have they have so much pressure to not only nail the director, every single person on the cast and make this movie damn good. They need to do all three in order to make have Kang Dynasty make as much money as humanly possible right um and i know i always kind of get 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 to that point of the money making part because that's it's what it's about i mean let's be honest like they're pumping all this shit out in five years because they can i mean they can they can one and two it's gonna make them so much money so quickly like secret wars i'm jumping ahead i guess a little bit but secret wars i genuinely think can be the highest grossing movie of all time because it's secret wars they can do they can bring in anyone to that movie and because it's going to have that kind of teaser of avengers kang dynasty which is going to be this huge massive event on its own and then we wait and we get secret wars right it's ending this phase and the fact that anyone could appear right in in no way home it's like could andrew and toby appear in secret wars anyone's on the table anyone that's ever been in a marvel movie or show is completely on the table for this one. And I genuinely think that it has the capability of reaching $3 billion. I think it's a real thing. I think it will the December. I would be stunned if that stays at November. I think it's weird it's even there right now. This yeah. seems like a very appropriate Christmas date we just Feels discussed. Good, right? <laughs> yeah. Give it a little more breathing room. Like, why is it so crammed? It's it's that part is very surprising to me. And the fact that we apparently get two projects in between Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and I think those projects in between are going to play a huge part. What if Fantastic Four kicks something off that we're living with for the next few projects? You know what I mean? Like, yes. and something else to think about. Uh, phase five will be the first phase in MCU history 
where there is no sequel from the previous phase. Loki is getting a season two. Captain America New World Order is technically a sequel to Falcon Winter Soldier, but not a single one of the movies from Phase 4 is getting a sequel to the very next phase. I think Phase 6 could be very much um, Mm -hmm. a bunch of sequels where we just check back in with all the characters and reestablish why we should care. And then all the post-credit scenes all throughout Phase 6 are just leading to one very specific, very terrifying thing, and that thing is Kang. That thing is Kang, Avengers Kang Dynasty. David, something happened today. Something happened that made us waiting to record this podcast worth it is what happened. Yeah. What happened? Tell me. I I truly cannot get over this news. Like when I saw this hit, well, first of all, there's the tease, right? From Hollywood Reporter. What is oh. the news? Uh, the- oh, oh, you're building, you're telling a story. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm building, I'm sitting there today at work. I'm relaxing. Wait, what? Uh, Boris Kitt from Hollywood Reporters tweeting something cryptic about uh, Hall H. Uh-oh. Two seconds later, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings director, Destin Daniel Cretton, hopefully I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, is the director of Avengers The Kang Dynasty. Now, apparently, he's still on board for Wonder Man, Shang-Chi 2, and this movie. Months ago, he said, I have no interest in an Avengers film lying through his teeth. He is going to and, you know, br- bring back the Avengers one. Um, they weren't lying about the Russo's not coming back, which I was kind of dubious of like, oh, you never know. Um, I was surprised that we got this news from a timeline perspective. They already have a we already have a director for a film coming out in a little less than three years, right? Um, and I, it's an Avengers movie, so I guess you kind of need it. But wow, I think this is an excellent choice. Not a director that I saw coming. And I think he, one thing, it points to the fact that Shang-Chi is definitely going to be a big player in this one. Yep. And I think I think what he brings to the table, before I want to hear your thoughts, Matt, choreography, heart, and just style. Because that's what Shang-Chi brought to the table for me. And I think all those elements are going to be a huge part in the Avengers and it makes me a little interested in are they going to film these back to back? Because he's he's not listed as the Secret Wars director. So yeah. is this going to be a passing of the baton, uh, give it a bye week and then start Secret Wars? I don't know. We'll see. That did not work out the last time they went, you know, like that. It was now ah, Rise of Skywalker. Um, I didn't love the flip flop of directors with that one. Um, yeah. personally, uh, it was so funny. You were talking about Loki and Sylvie earlier and I was like, huh, you're kind of making my, uh, uh, last Jedi argument for me a little bit here, <laughs> or, uh, my rise of Skywalker <laughs> argument for me a little bit here. Rise um, but, uh, Daniel Dustin Creighton, I, uh, I think that Shang-Chi is one of the more underrated projects in the MCU total. And that's not to say that people don't like it. People really like it. People talk about phase four as a down phase for the MCU. I think Shang-Chi brings the floor up. In a very big way. It's another movie along with No Way Home that I genuinely think is great. Um, yeah. like great, great. And uh I'm excited to um see what uh he brings to the table. It's so interesting. Um, the comparison to him and the Russo brothers. Obviously, the Russo brothers were the last ones to helm such a big idea, right? Um, the Russo brothers came in and directed Winter Soldier. They came in, they took over a character that they did not introduce. They balanced Captain America, Black Widow, Falcon, Nick Fury, S.H.I.E.L.D., and everything else going on in that movie. Oh, and Bucky Barnes, uh, one of the more important characters of the entire saga. Um, 
And it was very much like an Avengers light movie. You know, that was a very big crossover movie for the MCU at the time. You know what I mean? Three different characters um, that ended up being four different characters that ended up being Avengers along with Nick Fury all in the same movie. Um, And that along with what they did in civil war allowed Kevin Feige to look at them and goes, you can balance this. You can balance these characters better than anybody else. Here's your Avengers job. DDC, as I'm going to continue calling him, because love it, adopting that one, love it. Um, DDC, um, his whole thing with Shang Chi was introducing a D-list character, making it an incredibly small scale story. When you look at the MCU, the only crossover was a Wong cameo, a very brief Wong cameo, and of course the post credit scene. But I just think it's really interesting that Feige picked two totally different types of directors as far as their MCU audition to uh, take on the Avengers project. I think he brings a lot of great choreography, like you said, as far as just um, the storytelling of movement, not just in fight scenes, you know, just the way characters walk around each other on screen. I know that sounds stupid, but like there's so many things about Shang-Chi that I'm engaged with as exploration is happening. And I think that's a big part of movies like this, the family dynamic. Uh, the family dynamics of Shang-Chi, I think, can be brought over here and just, you know, the way characters talk to each other. It's really interesting. I'm going to need to see more before I get, like, hyper excited about it. But I trust mm-hmm. Kevin Foggy, and I know that he's going to probably uh, – I love DDC's first movie. I have no reason not to love his next one. Uh, yeah. David, I am going to officially start a rewatch of Phase 4 um, tonight, actually. Uh, and uh, wow. for those who don't know, um, the date is July 26th. Starting this week, if you rewatch one Phase 4 project per week, that will lead you right up into Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It will be like a week away nice. by the time you finish. Um, uh, what would it be? Be She-Hulk, I guess. But that's different. By the time you finish Thor Love yeah. and Thunder, you'll be a week away from Black Panther. Just enough time to rewatch Black Panther and then go see Wakanda forever. So wow. I encourage everybody to hop on the phase four rewatch train with me. Um, does that line up with the uh, more fun version by chance? <laughs> it does not, but I will be, I, I will be messing up the order to watch that in right. theaters for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I cannot wait to see that movie again in theaters. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, uh, David, you're going to make a decision for me today. Okay. I'm going to start my phase four rewatch. Do I start with black widow, a movie I've not seen since theaters? Or do I start with Shang-Chi, also a movie I haven't seen since theaters? Black Widow. Start Black Widow. One. Let's go Black Widow. And I'll yep. do Shang-Chi next. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Okay. But um, yeah, DDC, Kang Dynasty. As far as who directs Secret Wars, I don't know. Um, I don't know how they're going to play that. I'd be shocked if it wasn't Cretton, if I'm being completely honest. Really? I mean, the continuity of it, you know, being able to shoot it back to back like that. Uh, I think I think yeah. that that makes yeah. it just work a lot easier. <laughs> I just think that they would have that that would be the report, right? Sure. I, I I would I'd be surprised if it's hey he's doing this Wonder Man show, probably Shang Chi two and King Dynasty. Like that's three projects he's gonna he's attached to. That's what the I mean, that's what the article said. Yeah, like, that's three future MCU projects. Meaning, and I think we should save this for a future show. Maybe trying to like, predict what these yeah. things are in Phase Six and no, just in general. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it, it's a must and. 
it would be awesome if one of those was Shang-Chi leading right up to, yeah. you know, Kang Dynasty, where then you really feel that connection in the director. Say it's the movie right before it, you know, in the spring. And then, boom, we get into Kang Dynasty. And then my pick, my personal preference is, uh-oh, I'm not going to do Fantastic Four. John Watts as the Secret Wars, because I'll be honest, you know, the Russos did... did the, exactly the russos did the ensemble and the big bad better than anyone and they brought together the infinity saga in a way i had no idea was possible they hand they juggled civil war they they're incredible in the Perfect. mcu incredible directing duo like un- unbelievable i can't imagine i can't believe what they actually achieved john watts no way home what he achieved in that movie having the john watts heart in it while doing the crazy multiverse stuff that's exactly what I want. That's the formula that I want from Secret Wars. Do it again, right? Get Spider-Man, work with Spider-Man again. And I'll one thing before we wrap up the show, I'll be honest. Loved everything that happened at Senior Comic-Con. It was a great day. It was a great day to be a writer at direct.com. Man, can I not wait for the Tom Holland, Sony, Disney news for the next Spider-Man trilogy or whatever their plan is. Just the Spider-Man 4 and where that fits in. Because obviously they're not coordinating right now of Sony. I, it seems very on pause. You know, all that seems very on pause. No Way Home. They're re-releasing it. They're soaking in the sunlight of No Way Home. They're going to milk that cash cow. What is next? Because I think, you know, we talked a little bit about what this team's going to be for the Avengers films. We need Spider-Man. We, we need Spider-Man in these Avengers films. We need him on this docket to not really bring. Not Peter Parker, though. Ooh, nice. I, mean, I would. Why not both? Meme yeah, is what I would. What was what I would include in that? Um, and I'm not talking about Venom or Madam Web, but uh, <laughs> she looks good though. Did you Did you see the Dakota Johnson pictures? I did see. Looks she great. Looks I am all, the, me and Klein felt we're 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 on the train. You know, we're lining up the tracks. <laughs> we're we're getting the people on board. Of Madam Web could be a good uh, movie. So uh yeah, I I love how I'm ending this podcast with all that being said, where's Spider-Man? Yeah, because right. that's where I'm at. You know, Absolutely. that that is genuinely like everything is awesome, everything is cool. I'm talking about like the Lego movie, and I just want Spider-Man, right? Like that that is really like that's the character I care about most. And I want to see the future. Like maybe, maybe they I won't continue it, but Spider, it's Sony. They're gonna make keep making Spider-Man movies, and it's hap- It's going to happen. They have so many plans for Madam Web and Venom Three and all this. Like, let's, let's get in the room with Feige. Let's figure out what's what's the next step for the biggest Marvel character. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And what would be a bigger announcement? John Watts is directing Secret Wars, or the Russo brothers are returning to direct Secret Wars? The word "returning" with the Russo brothers announcement makes it feel like a an event you know what i mean like the beatles are back like <laughs> I, I would say russo's the last. yeah that'd be yeah. sick dude <laughs> that'd be awesome um uh one last thing i want to say one last thing i would like to say you ended on spider-man guess what i'm gonna end it on it was it was reported there's a rumor that um the while disney does have the rights to the uh x-men characters uh, the original contracts for the actors who played those characters are not over until 2025. So if they want to crazy re- rumor, that, huh? I was just saying crazy rumor, like crazy very rumor. telling if true. Hundred percent. If that is true, that means that they cannot recast those X Men characters until 2025, which would explain Patrick Stewart. Um, right. 
if that's the case, if they can't make, you know, X quote unquote X-Men content until 2025, the mutant saga is a lock, right? <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah, you bring Kamala think- along as the MCU's first mutant and develop her over these next two phases as a star mutant player and then center the mutant saga around the X-Men and around mutants. You can still introduce mutants here and there. Yeah. Um, but I'm just saying the mutant saga feels more realistic than not at this point. I think that is by far the biggest highest odds for what the next saga would be. Um, if this rumor is true, it makes a lot of sense for why they are ending this saga when they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it makes sense. I think <laughs> this rumor supports the idea that Kamala Khan is a mutant, right? Yeah. Not not a new X-Men character, but Kamala Khan is one. So we're going to get our own MCU versions. And then when they finally enter the fold, it'll make more sense. It'll be more natural. So I think when I read that rumor, I'm like, that would make a lot of sense. And I hope that is reported on by one of the trades or someone else, maybe the direct.com of like, this is real. This is yeah, true because happen. that would explain a lot. And I think that would actually be perfect because they have so much going on with just the multiverse saga. Then you bring in the X-Men. Then it's X-Men versus the Avengers. And, and stories like that you can dive into that would really give the MCU another you know, reset, you know, revamp and another kind of breath of fresh air. And it would give also a lot of time for those old, you know, legacy X-Men characters to they, you know, they had their time. And those separate movies are done more. and mm-hmm. separate them, maybe include them. Like we have Patrick Stewart. Maybe we get Hugh Jackman back in secret wars, things like that. And then we get the new slate. And then we, we recently talked about, then it doesn't feel as rushed to get a third professor X, a third Magneto. We're, we're, we're cool to buy then because we've already gotten so much. It's been so many years and it'll bring in this new, um, perspective of the mcu once again so i think that would actually work out perfectly and it's what i'm rooting for at this point dude think about the opening scene of loki season one finale where they're going through the multiverse thing and like replaying all the old clips to it's been a long long time like think about that and the fact that secret wars is happening and kang is directly related Man Alive it is a great time to be a fan of the fantastic, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the future of the MCU. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a look at Wakanda Forever. That was a look at She-Hulk. That was the Phase 5 hype draft with Tim Geddes, the future of the MCU, and the episode. Episode 103, David, I think one we will remember for a very long, long time. Yes. That was an amazing thing. Thank you so much. To everybody listening for joining in. David, thank you for coming after your first day of work this year um, to uh, come do this. This is an amazing thing. Before we get out of here for a weekly recommendation, uh, we thought me and David have recently saw the Jordan Peele phenomenon. Nope. Um, in theaters. And we watched it. It happened. And uh, I thought we could share our thoughts a little bit on it. David, what did you think of Jordan Peele's third um, big blockbuster picture? Nope. Yeah, nope was a disappointment to me. Um, I'm not a big horror. <laughs> I'm not a big horror fan in general. Uh, I didn't even see Us. My uh, fiance recently actually trying to get me to watch Us after seeing Nope, and she's like, "This is the you know this is the good one." You know, I've seen Get Out, which is amazing, great filmmaking. It's what got me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, and I know the spoilers for us and all that, but I, that one just seems much scarier. This movie wasn't that scary, which worked well for me because I'm not a big horror guy, but it disappointed me. I'm not going to dive too deep into spoilers here. Um, it also didn't do that. Like it did good at the box office, $44 million opening weekend, but compared to um, the projections, the, the Hollywood projections, it was a disappointment, which yeah. it's all about perspective. Like they kind of set themselves up for that. The projections, the tracking was higher than 44 million, but it still is, you know, open number one. It's one of the best, high, you know, highest grossing opening weekends for a horror movie, stuff like that. Like Jordan Peele prints money in a way right now for this kind of genre, but love Kiki Palmer in it. She was the star to me, but I didn't think, I understand the themes of it. I get that. I've had conversations about it. Like, cool. I understand. But this movie should have wrapped up in a, more interesting cool like wow way to me where i i got the themes i thought it was a good movie not a great movie but it was a disappointment to me i thought there was gonna be more there with this one um can i get into spoilers yeah let's just do let's do let's it do it doesn't matter spoilers for no if you haven't seen it come back in if you're still listening um I also am not a big horror guy, so I was nervous going in that I wasn't going to like it because I'm just not going to pay attention to the horror because I don't like horror. This is a monster movie. This is not a horror movie. This is a monster movie, um, yep. which I thought sci-fi was movie. a sci-fi monster movie. It's sci-fi Jaws in a lot of ways. Um, that a lot of people are saying that, which I think is a totally awesome comparison. I'm not saying also it's kind like, of blasphemy, but it's not as good as Jaws. I'm not saying, but it is Jaws. <laughs> I know, I know, like, I know. <laughs> yes, it's the same. I understand movie. the comparison. I um, think when you say that, though, that sets certain expectations for it, which sure, aren't. Sure. I, yeah, and, and I understand that it is Spielberg esque in the style that it's uh, delivered, um, and I think Jordan Peele is very good at that. Um, I like this movie mm-hmm. a lot. Um, the mm-hmm. the surprise that it was a monster movie, not a horror movie, I think was a really good reveal. Something that the entire thing, oh, wow, the alien, the, the little kids dressed up as aliens, what a great gotcha, because admitted that was creepy oh, hell. I was so creepy scared, yeah. Hell. Um, so I think they did a, re- nope, nope. They did a really good job um, playing with expectations throughout the movie, which is so weird to think for an original movie. You know what I mean? Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody knew what this was going to be about going in. We just thought it was going to be scary. No, 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 it's going to be intimidating. Um, I agree. The third act really falls apart for me. The way the monster looks in his full form, the parachute idea. The butterfly thing. Yeah. I really didn't like that. I was distracted by it. You know what I mean? And I don't have any problems with it. I was just asking the whole time, why do you look like that? But I think, you know, you mentioned the themes. I loved the thematic side of all this. I think this is one of the best directed, um, you know, movies I've seen this year, including comic book content. Um, um, I think that it just, it, it had a really engaging story. Was it the most interesting at the end? I think no. And that's why I don't think this movie is great. I do think this movie is very good. Um, mm. And I was surprised. I was, I had the lowest of expectations going in. I went because Aaron wanted to go. And I just, I was so ready to just not pay attention because I didn't want to be scared that by the time it ended up being a monster movie, I was very much more relaxed and excited right. about the things that were happening. Um, any favorite moments, any favorite scenes for you? Well, I thought the best scene was something they didn't really capitalize on as much as I wanted them to. I got the connection in the end. Um, I forget the character's name, but it was the kid that was on the sitcom. And oh, uh, when the monkey goes nuts. Jupiter. Jup. Yeah. When when the monkey goes nuts, kills everyone, and it's and it's the full scene, not the flashback, not the like little split second. It's the full scene, and he goes for the knuckle touch with the kid. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great filmmaking. 
And to me, it's like, okay, there was character development with that one character about how he was then exploiting this, this alien later mm-hmm. for money, right? Like they were exploiting the monkey for money. This movie is about exploitation, how we like to film everything, how we like to look everything through, through screens. You know, that's like the, to me, the main driving theme of the film, which is fine. I get it, Jordan Peele. Cool, you know. But to me, it's like that monkey goes nuts and gets killed. And the only point of that was for the character's development because it's like, why the hell did that monkey go crazy? You know, he see, he seemed to me, because it's this creepy sci-fi thing, it's like, what's with him? You know, is he connected hear, to the alien? You didn't catch it? Or, uh, do you, like, like I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like... No, no, go ahead. The reason the, the, the balloon popped up at the top. Right. So, like, I think, I think uh, the connection I made with that was them being an- uh, film animal handlers, like he was saying, mm. no sudden movements, no loud noises, you know, don't like the rules of animals on TV were changed because right. of the monkey. You know what I mean? Balloons right. aren't allowed on set when there's an animal there because the monkey happens. That Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really like the balloon. That's why I brought that up. Yeah, yeah. I think that, to me it, it felt because we're in a sci-fi movie and that monkey seemed almost so like intelligent and like just evil with the with the hanging shoe and everything it's like Horrifying. i thought there was something more creepy and sci-fi going on with that you know what i mean i thought the monkey was like a, you know like an alien or something which i guess sounds stupid right now but in the theater like it's all connected <laughs> and it wasn't really you know there there was things that were driving the plot forward and there were elements that you know connected thematically but there wasn't this big aha moment to me which i thought was coming in this film like there isn't get out and like apparently there is in us. So I enjoyed it. I thought Kiki Palmer specifically was great. I loved the guy who played the uh, fries. Uh, oh, Angel. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to be in the MCU, by the way. Angel, really, the, the, the actor, you got to look at these quotes, Matt. He really, he wants to be Nova in the MCU. Love that. He wants to be anyone in the MCU, but he really wants, he hopes that us, or great. sorry, he hopes that Nope set him up to possibly be in there because that's like his end goal in his career which i thought was so cool like reading about that afterwards i love that uh the guy who played the cinematographer also scene stealer you know what i mean what a what a yes what a fun character to have yeah yeah the constant rolling was great um uh anytime kiki palmer was on screen was magnetic truly magnetic um the actor's name i always forget it i always get it wrong what is it um the lead character the guy from get out yeah I'm sorry, I always forget I, his I name too. Off the top of your head, he is like I know he's. Oh, such it's actor. Daniel. Um, Daniel. Daniel Kalua. Daniel Kalua. I know he's such a good actor because Get Out is such a him acting his ass off movie. You know what I mean? Uh, like especially just him throughout that entire thing. So anytime Kiki Palmer came on screen and like dominated a little bit, I was like, okay, she's got the stuff. You know, because she's on screen mm-hmm. with actors I know I like. You know, Stephen Young. Yeah. I know Oscar-winning like. actor. Yeah, Kiki Palmer for yeah. what? No, no, um, Daniel Kalua. Oh, yes. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. So, yeah. For Kiki to come in and dominate like that, I thought was great. The scene where uh, we get to see the people be eaten by the monster. Whoa. That was, yeah. was tight. It was a very tight feeling. I, I thought that was a that. great horror element. Like, like, it's right when it becomes a monster movie, he brings in the most horror element throughout the whole thing. I thought that was an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the direction of this movie, I thought was just so well done. But I agree with you. Hmm. The lack of wow moment at the end um, really deflated it for me. You know what I mean? The the I, I didn't leave the movie on a high. I, I was on highs throughout yeah. the movie. 
but I didn't leave the movie on a high. And it's not it's not that every movie needs a <gasps> moment in it. It's just this movie felt like it was missing a <gasps> moment. Correct. And I think, I mean, the movie can be explained very simply too. It's like they think there's an alien and they want to take a photo of it and they end up picking a photo of it. It's challenging, but you know, that's kind of, kind of the plot. I think there's kind of a charm to that though, because if you want to go in and just, and, and I'm, I'm kind of ripping this off lights, uh, camera barstool. We have good friends over there, Jeff D. Lowe, Ken Jack. Um, but if you want to go in and watch this movie on the surface level, and like not think too much about it. You can do that with this. It's a monster movie. They want a picture. They're not getting a picture. The sister's really funny like that. And, and I think it's entertaining at that point. If you do want to think into it a little more, there's stuff to pick at there. There's redeemable qualities on so many levels of this, except yeah. for maybe the, um, the crescendo, I guess you could say, but yeah. um, I'm excited for more Jordan Peele stuff. Yeah. And by the way, you know, I went, you went with Aaron, your wife. I went with Jasmine, my fiance. And a lot of the, the, a lot of the analysis and the opinions I just had came from her right after the movie. Cause me, I looked, I'm like, oh, that was good. Not great. And she like broke it down. She yeah, was saying all this. She was Googling and I'm like, got it. So a lot of that, I just voiced uh, kind of through her. So that was kind of my uh, fiance's analysis a little bit, but I agree. Uh, she kind of, I bought into whatever she was saying. If we grow this podcast just a little bit more, if I think we have one more level of follow from this podcast, which share it with your friends, you should. I think we bring Aaron and Jasmine on. You know what I mean? Get, oh. their, get their opinions on some things. She watches all the MCU with me. Well, she's kind of fallen off with the shows, but all the Aaron, movies. Aaron's the exact same way. She's the exact yeah. same way. She actually went and saw Love and Thunder by herself, not by herself, but with a friend the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, good cool. stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, that has been the Direct Podcast, episode 103. Thank you for hanging with us. This was a fun one. It'll be titled The Future of the MCU. And David, if I could make a recommendation, let's just play fanfare to get out of here. You know what I mean? Let's just let's just let Marvel Studios cap this thing off because they're dominating. 